Well, hello and welcome to another meeting of the Corona Committee. It's our 123rd uh, session. It's called Brutal Facts, uh, as they say, face the brutal facts. That's what we are, um, what's our remit here at the Corona Committee, i.e. a factual analysis of the uh, coronavirus and the uh, Corona measures taken, and we have some guests that will uh, take us closer to um, the core of uh, things. We're still waiting uh, for Wolfgang Wodak. He's a bit delayed um, because there's a, a, a climate demo in um, Berlin here. Uh, we have Johan Tengra here um, about the Awaken India movement. I met him personally when I uh, went to India and we discussed what's happening there. It is a an incredibly lively scene there, supported by a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Um, it also uh, includes uh, Dipali uh, Oja, uh, whom we've had in uh, the committee and um, on the grand jury, a very uh, per uh, friendly person, a lawyer herself, and her husband is a lawyer who also has already had a few successes in court. Now I'd like to welcome you on. Hi, Vivian. Hi, pleasure to reconnect. Hi, nice to see you again. Um, yeah, likewise. Uh, could you maybe give a little bit of background information to yourself and to the uh, and then uh, about the the movement that you are going to talk about, so people know um, have a, have a bit more like of an overview. Yes. Hi. So every, for everyone who's not yet familiar, uh, my name is Johan Tengra. I'm part of the Awaken India movement. I also have my own venture, which is known as Anarchy for Freedom. And uh, I'm a functional medicine consultant, so I also am involved in the field of nutrition sciences and uh, reversing chronic diseases by using uh, cutting-edge diagnostics to figure out the root cause of diseases, as well as then naturally fixing that. So I'm involved in uh, many different areas, and I started this work of uh, research when it comes to truth-seeking, uh, investigating conspiracies, uh, investigating false flag terror attacks, the entire New World Order agenda, and everything in 2015. So I've been trying to put out that information in uh, our own language in Hindi and make people out here understand how the larger New World Order Great Reset agenda affects people out here in India and our liberties. That's something I've been doing since 2015. In uh, sometime 2019, end of 2019, I started my YouTube channel, which is called Anarchy for Freedom India. And uh, there I set out on a venture to actually uh, pass on the knowledge I had gathered over the years in my deep research in many fields in uh, our Indian language. And after that, a uh, couple of months after I started my own channel and sp I started spreading awareness about these issues, the pandemic happened. Uh, after the pandemic happened, a lot of passionate Indians really woke up to what's going on and people wanted to do something about it. Because before the pandemic, the new world agendas were slowly steadily creeping upon us but once the uh, pandemic hit you know a lot of people realize that it's here and uh, you know we we have entered the new world order so to speak so a lot of people got motivated to do something which is why uh, you know a couple of us passionate people who'd been meeting since the early days 
uh, you know, right when the lockdowns were going on, we were having meetings in secret, which were legal, to try to, you know, figure out what can we do. Because out here, the landscape is very, very different. You know, in the West, people have been spreading awareness about these issues for a very long time. If you see people like Infowars, Alex Jones, uh, David Icke, and there are many other researchers, uh, James Corbett, you know, they've been doing this stuff for a very long time. But in India, the awareness is has been very abysmal about these issues. You know, largely people are consumed with local political issues, cultural issues, religious issues. But it, their understanding of international affairs and geopolitics and uh, larger schemes by, you know, much more powerful people around the world and how they control our country and our politics and our banking and all of that, that knowledge is very limited. So we kind of set out on a task as a group figure, okay, there's a big information vacuum. No one's even aware about this stuff. No one's even speaking about it. Forget the pandemic and the truth about vaccines or masks or any of that. You know, even other issues that are equally as important to do with money and finance and, you know, politics and all of that. People's understanding of that is highly, highly narrow and limited. So we had to do a huge task, which is why we formed uh, Awaken India Movement sometime in 2021. After, uh, you know, spending 2020 doing many protests, uh, spreading awareness online, trying to get the word out there, organizing a couple of conferences. So we were really pioneering stuff because no one's, you know, done this kind of work on these issues in India mm -hmm. that Awaken India movement uh, has managed to do in the early days in the, in the pandemic, pandemic, I mean. And, uh, you know, in 2021, we formally formed uh, Awaken India movement. Until then, it was a loose-knit association. We were just calling ourselves Awaken India. After that, we formed it. And after we properly formed it, our agenda really became, how can we not just approach this from an information perspective in terms of getting the word out, making people more informed, more active, organizing people, but also what we can do legally. So that's where we had a couple of legal contacts in 2021. And we landed up pursuing them. So one of them was Prashant Bhushan, uh, who just fought our case in the Supreme Court, which we won against vaccine mandates. And there's Colin Gonzalez as well, who's been fighting the HPV vaccine case, which has been going on in our Indian Supreme Court since 2011, I think. That is also against PATH, uh, an NGO that was sponsored by the Gates Foundation. And uh, the, the charge was that this NGO colluded with Indian regulatory agencies and uh, official bodies in order to push the HPV vaccine on the Indian schedule. So, you know, that we found that lawyer, we found Prashant Bhushan, and then later on, we found advocate Nilesh Oja and advocate Dipali Oja. So our Awaken India Movement core team has allied with these lawyers and the information and the research that we have and the legal knowledge that they've had, we've combined it and we've launched uh, many petitions that in the Supreme Court as well as in the Bombay High Court to do with masks, to do with vaccines, and, uh, you know, we are now we are going to be filing petitions on other issues as well. Uh, so that's just a background to Awaken India movement and some of my own personal work as well. And have you been attacked by officials or how has the press uh, received your activity? Uh, like everywhere else, you know, it's always been trying to smear us or uh, trying to defame us in some way. So even when I remember when we were just starting out, we had made a flyer that we'd inserted in newspapers. So we kind of were thinking of ways to spread awareness. So we were just putting it in newspapers all across the city and people were waking up and finding our flyer with the newspaper. 
so i remember this one actor even put up the flyer online saying like you know what the hell is this like who allowed this to even come in the newspaper and then like there's some local indian fact checker did an entire piece on it and like smeared the whole thing so we faced that kind of treatment you know i've got you know couple of hit pieces in print media against me personally as well and even awaken india movement uh, has been smeared as an anti vaccine group typical tactics like you know but i would say the smearing and the institutionalized fact checking that we see abroad at the scale it happens it doesn't happen like that out here you know so that way we've been less smeared compared to how much maybe some of y'all uh, abroad have been smeared so yeah i mean we we definitely uh, have been attacked in the press and it's uh, not been received well but regardless of that we have a growing body of people who are understanding what is going on and our numbers are increasing constantly uh, month by month as we continue our work Mm-hmm. So what are the uh, concrete defamations that they're using? Because here, when you criticize the measures, you're right wing um, or like even like a Holocaust denier or I don't know, like, I mean, do you know, something like this. So it becomes really extreme and also like, a, uh, you know, like a, a, a crazy nut um, obviously, and, and, and conspiracy theorists. So, so what are you yeah. in India then? Uh, that's what i said so because they don't really have a good understanding of uh, consp- like you know the kind of material that we cover their smearing is also very low level so they just typically stick to calling us anti vaxxers okay. and uh, they just char- they characterize us as if we are anti science and that uh, because of what we're doing many people are dying like that's that's the main way in which they try to smear us but mm-hmm. we've been proved right you know like everything we've done since 2020 the courts itself have proved us right and uh, you know maybe they like there are limitations in the court case judgments that have come we can speak about that they are not perfect they are they have their issues but uh, you know we we've, we've got victory in major areas and the courts have affirmed what we believed which is that there is really no difference between a vaccinated and unvaccinated person in terms of spread mm-hmm. and um so what is the, the the legal situation now have you won any cases lately Yes so i think the last time we had an update we'd won our supreme court case in may uh, so that still stands uh, you know for people who don't know officially in india vaccine mandates have been totally removed uh, there's no state out here that can do it because above all the high courts that exist in every single state there's a supreme court so once the supreme court takes a certain position uh, then it applies to an entire country and it supersedes all the high court judgments that even go against it so because we won in the supreme court that way it impacts a huge number of people india has a population of 135 billion people so that judgment covers the entire country so that was a huge victory for us uh, that wasn't just to reverse the vaccine mandates but uh, we also got the court to actually tell the government to start voluntary reporting of adverse events so until that point what was happening is that people who suffered an adverse event from the shot Uh, they would have to depend on the person who vaccinated them in order to lodge their complaint so for example you know if i got vaccinated by a healthcare worker and if i got an adverse event then you know, i would have to go back to her and i would have to make my case to her that this happened and if she thought that you know it made sense or she should do it then she would actually go and start the procedure so because of that we were facing a lot of hurdles as many times the healthcare workers would refuse to take it saying that you know vaccines don't have any side effects or vaccines are safe and effective it's not because of that it must be something else so because of that many people who we've known who've actually suffered adverse events maybe themselves or maybe in the family uh, 
uh, they were not able to actually lodge it and the numbers were never seen in the media because these numbers that are collected in the system actually reflect in the media that there are so many adverse events and because of these kind of issues because the people were propagandized into believing that it's safe and effective you know a lot of people never even made the connection like i personally know people in their families they've got heart attacks constantly right now in indian media there are famous people who are just uh, falling and dying on stage maybe or athletes who are dying and people aren't making the connection because they've been told that the vaccines are safe and effective uh, so because of that we were facing issues but the supreme court ruled in may that the government is supposed to let people uh, report the adverse events voluntarily so the government actually had to make a separate section on their main vaccine database which they were using to issue the certificates and over there itself now there's a feature to report an adverse event so that's made it much easier for us and we've been spreading more awareness about this issue uh, so that at least people can start reporting and it starts reflecting in the media which would make a significant impact so that's something that we achieved in may even before that in our state of maharashtra uh, you know we had overturned the vaccine mandates and mask mandates mask fines out here as well so that's something that happened in february of this year wherein the chief justice ruled that all the orders that were issued by the state government were illegal okay so he actually wrote that in the order itself and uh, we were able to reverse the mandates right then even before the supreme court judgment came but that case is still ongoing because in that case we also asked for the prosecution of the authorities who issued these orders like the arrest as well as the fines which they stole from us to be paid back to the public so i would just like to update that uh, you know that case came up for hearing just last week the next hearing is also on third uh, so what happened in court is that uh, you know we had made uh, two institutions parties to that to answer mainly the state government and the local municipal corporation so it's the municipal corporation that actually issued the fines they extorted crores of rupees from normal people for totally unscientific and illegal mandates because they, they didn't have any provision in law to actually enforce these fines in the law what the law says these acts that actually allow the government to impose restrictions in case there's a you know health emergency or whatever uh, the law actually says out here that only upon conviction like only when a court tries you is when a fine can be imposed like any just any government authority can't come and fine you just like that you have to be uh, you know given a court order you have to appear in court if the judge convicts you then you have to pay a fine so they lost on that point in court last week the argument was going on they didn't have any answer because whatever they were pointing to it all said upon conviction uh, then the finally the argument in court came down to this that the judge said that okay if the if uh, the state government issue, issued this mandate in the greater good then we would not intervene so then our firebrand uh, you know advocate nilesh oja sir just lashed out at the judge over there saying that you know uh, it's not uh, it's not for the greater good at all in fact it's harming many more people he started talking about the adverse events of mars and how they haven't been proved to be effective uh, so the court like the the hearing was adjourned to the next day uh, where the state government and the municipal corporation has been asked to respond to the points we raised so that's something that's going to happen on third but uh, this is the case wherein we've asked for the fines to be returned and the arrest so this is still an ongoing development as and when the you know case hearings happen uh, you know we can update you guys other than that you know there's another case that we filed last year for an adverse event that happened to a doctor in aurangabad aurangabad is a part of maharashtra it's an interior part of maharashtra where there was this doctor who actually died uh, i think 2 to 3 weeks after taking the astrazeneca shot 
out here in india known as covid shield so after she died you know in in those 2 3 weeks because she was suffering from adverse effects her family actually wrote to the vaccine manufacturer asking that you know our daughter is suffering from this do you have any idea did you ever see this in the trials what can we do to fix her and they said that there is no association whatsoever we've never seen this and you know we are not responsible for this in any way or anything like that they totally shirked their responsibility so because so because of that this family has been in touch with awaken india movement since uh, 2021 wherein we helped to file a case on their behalf in the supreme court also which is also just going to come up for hearing in a couple of days so many of our cases are being listed now so there will be a lot of developments uh, but her case has already come up in the bombay high court just uh, two weeks back and it's made huge news out here like every single mainstream media outlet has covered it and it's all been all over the television that bill gates has been sent a notice by the bombay high court so children's health defense was uh, you know kind enough to cover this last week and uh, basically what's happened is that we've made bill gates and the manufacturer of this vaccine the ceo of the company a target in this case uh, because of their vaccine and their propaganda that uh, you know this event has happened and it's a very open and shut case because uh, the girl's death even by the national adverse events committee in india it's been ruled that uh, according to that committee you know which is also kind of funded by these vested interests itself and the way they assess uh, adverse events from vaccination is also flawed so given their limitations even despite the limitations i would say and their and the conflicts of interest they still uh, ruled in this case that the death has happened because of vaccination so that's given us a very strong stand in court now because next time whenever that hearing is going to happen on 17th november so whenever that hearing happens then uh, bill gates uh, the ceo of serum institute and uh, various other parties you know we even made big tech giants a party in this case like youtube facebook uh, google because they have pushed a one sided narrative that the vaccine safe and effective so because of that misleading false information people have been you know people have basically consumed the wrong information made the wrong choices and had grave adverse effects like deaths and serious side effects it's because of that one sided propaganda so we even made a, them a party to it we even made certain sitting government bureaucrats a party to it like uh, you know there's this one minister who used to say that the vaccine is 110% effective so we caught a couple of people like that and we actually made them a party in this case so they've all been asked to respond uh, on 17th november but it's the first time Uh, i don't know. i i'm not sure about global courts but at least in indian courts is the first time that bill gates has ever been sent a notice and uh, it's even a first time that he's been sent a notice on the vaccination issue so i think this is a huge you know success and a milestone for us that way of course as of now it's just a notice it's not a conviction or anything but uh, there's the fact that he's been summoned in court and his lawyer has personally received it we're looking forward to what happens uh, on 17th november so do you really expect him to be there i don't think he will be there but uh, even in all of our cases like the state government has never appeared but it's always their senior advocates who come and appear on record so he's not going to be there most likely but his lawyers will definitely be there okay well that's quite quite something actually so it seems that there's a lot of movement in the legal system in india right now yes that's very true do you really think it functions hello hey hey uh, do you really Do you really think that the the law system in India all over the country is uh, still working as it did before before the so-called pandemic began? 
Okay, I, I have a lot of insights to offer on this. So what happened is, you know, I mean, just my observation, the culture is very, very important. I would say the culture also influences the judiciary a lot in terms of how they perceive things and which matters they'll even list, what priority they'll give to a certain matter. So because, I mean, I, I, I really don't believe like just studying the Indian landscape and, uh, you know, having even like speaking to a lot of insiders who know people inside courts like judges and lawyers. So I really don't think that uh, these people are evil or they're necessarily like trying to do it in full knowledge that uh, they're trying to suppress adverse events actively. Of course, there are people like that. But by and large, it's, it's not like that. What What's really happened is that because of the mainstream media propaganda and because just this one-sided narrative has been pushed and because alternative prominent voices have been absent, uh, the judges were of course influenced to believe that this is a very deadly contagious disease. And so they were not even entertaining any petitions. So, you know, many of us actually in the beginning, early days, you know, uh, many people across the country tried to file petitions against uh, lockdowns, against, you know, just general issues with the mandates and stuff and the like uh, compensation surrounding it, the damages that have been caused. But the courts didn't really entertain it. And they actually dismissed many of these petitions with fines. So a lot of us were dejected that time. But, you know, as the kind of situation calmed down a little bit. I think that that gave an added impetus for the judges to consider our cases. So when the fear propaganda and the environment was really tense and people were panicking and scared that the deaths are happening, that time, like the judiciary, at least in this area, was totally dysfunctional. I mean, whatever we were filing was just... Yeah. Uh, judges were too biased against it. But after the thing calmed down a little bit, I remember that we filed one of our cases in the Bombay High Court... Uh, you know, sometime in September of 2021. So after we filed that, it took a couple of months to get listed. And by that time, the situation had, you know, calmed down a lot. So because of that, then uh, even the cases were coming down. And then even the arguments you're making, thankfully, we have really brilliant lawyers who understand the constitution and the law and the precedents mm -hmm. and case laws out here very, very well. And that advocate Nilesh Oja and Dipali Oja are very talented lawyers and, uh, you know, highly decorated as well. They've handled many big cases and got success in cases where many other lawyers have failed. So I would say like if we didn't, if we weren't in touch with these kind of lawyers who are actually fighters, India has a very big shortage of lawyers who are fighters. Most lawyers out here, even, even I'm in touch with many of them because we're trying to build a network. So most lawyers don't want to fight. Like they want to suck up to the judge. You know, they will actually go in court and say your honor or something 10 times in one sentence. Like I've been to court personally. I've, I'm not in this background, but uh, it's like this institutionalized way in which the lawyers kind of massage the ego of the judge because the lawyers also want the judge to pass orders in their favor in other cases. So that's the kind of you know mindset most people have. So within that sea of madness to find lawyers like these was a big blessing for us. And I would say even something metaphysical for, for us to meet that way because of which we've been able to achieve these successes even in a highly... In an environment where everyone was against us, the media is against us, yeah. the judiciary was biased against us, the government is against us. In that whole environment, just a small number of people have really managed to target the court system. And we had to kind of jump many hurdles. So before the courts weren't taking our cases seriously. So what we did is that we organized, uh, you know, I'm a content creator, so I have a big audience and following. There are others like me who also have that. So we kind of came together and then we mobilized the people who are active and aware about these issues in India. 
compared to the population, we're really tiny, but all of us are really motivated and active. So we actually did an email campaign to send emails to the courts. And because of that, our cases got listed. Like our cases weren't even being listed until then. So these kind of tactics were given to us by our experienced lawyers, which even in an environment where I would say the judiciary has many limitations, we still managed to get our cases in and were able to build pressure. You know, we even organized one to protest around the court cases, which also added to the pressure. You know, uh, we had one of our biggest protests in uh, Germany or in like other European countries. You guys have huge protests because people are so aware. But out here, as I said, the, the awareness is itself very limited. So our protests, we managed to get two, two and a half thousand people to show up, which is huge for us at that time. So because of all of this, even in that environment, you know, as your question was, uh, you know, intent, I was intending to answer your question as in, is the judiciary really functioning? I would say it has many, many limitations, even the orders that we've got, for example, the Supreme Court order that we got in May of this year, uh, wherein they actually declared uh, the mandates to be not proportionate according to the constitution. There were limitations in that also, you know, so... Uh, there, there have been issues in that order as well, which I have addressed in much more detail. It's a 115-page order. So I have, you know, I have analysis and we've written a couple of uh, articles also on this. But despite the limitations, you know, we were at least able to manage to reverse the mandates and to let, let the government actually make a portal where people can report adverse events themselves. Yesterday, so, yeah, yesterday, I heard a very good argument how you can uh, recognize the... Yeah, what the judge might think of the whole thing of, and how he's thinking about pandemics and such things. Uh, do the judges wear masks? They, were, they used to wear it right in the height of the pandemic. But even when we were going to court, uh, I mean, I, I practically, the hearings were happening so often, uh, some like earlier this year, that we were in court very often, even like late last year, early this year. We were having hearings back to back because the environment was very tense. The vaccine mandates were present. So we were also very riled up. So when we were going, the chief justice was not uh, wearing a mask. And even our lawyers weren't uh, you know, wearing masks in court. But then uh, the general people who are like other lawyers who are in court or there are some press people, like they would typically wear masks, but not the ju judges. That's all, of course uh, different for the Supreme Court. Like we've had a Supreme Court, I think our last chief justice actually came on record and asks uh, the lawyers and everyone to wear masks in court. Yeah. Because when you... So it's kind of been mixed. When you wear a mask as a judge, you already demonstrate what you think of the whole thing. So it may be, it may be some, some um, sign of a bias already. Yeah, and, so I, I'll tell you an interesting thing. So what we did is that uh, when we put our first case in Bombay High Court, uh, our advocate actually went with the application of recusal. Because, uh, you know, he he basically like uh, drafted three, four pages with evidence and uh, submitted it to the chief justice that I think you're biased. So I don't want you to hear our case. Give us another bench. Uh, so the chief, then the chief justice got defensive. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what we wanted. So, you know, then he was like, yeah, I'm, I will not press this. You know, the chief justice asked him. He gave an explanation for, uh, so basically like what we were saying is that the chief justice is meeting with the uh, state heads who, are, who we are accusing in the case. Mm -hmm. So because he's having meetings with them, then he has a relationship. So that bias will impact the case. So he explained himself like these are official meetings, you know, minutes are taken, public is there, it's happening in the open. 
Mm-hmm. So then he asked us, "Do you still want to press this?" And we were like, "No." We just the the intention just was to put him like kind of on the defensive, so that he was able to get a point. And we also did another interesting thing in court. Actually, what happened is that uh, there's a mother of a 23-year-old who actually expired uh, three hours after getting the AstraZeneca shot. So he actually had to take it because he was poor. Like the family wasn't that well to do, and he wanted to use the local trains to go to his job. Which had just opened after lockdown, so because of the mandates which we were fighting in court, uh, you know he had to take the vaccine, and then as a result of that he came home in three hours he passed away. So we actually took his mother to court, and on our first hearing, what happened is that after this entire accusal incident happened, we were making points to the chief justice, and it was almost as if he'd come prepared. You know he had a counter for almost every single thing. Like we would say, look, you know so. other countries around the world have achieved mass vaccination and they're still having like you know cases are rising and they are still going into more lockdowns so what are you going to get by getting to mass vaccination numbers like 80 90% in india if in other countries we can already see that it's not working so then he would ask silly things like what is the population of india what is the population of other countries you know which is like a straw man argument you know we are really talking about in a landmass if a percentage has been almost fully vaccinated and if they're still having lockdowns that's ineffective so he would have these kind of straw man arguments for every point we made even scientifically or there are studies showing that it doesn't stop transmission so he would say show me indian data we show him indian data then he would still be more skeptical about that so he'd keep bringing up like uh, points to counter us almost as if he'd come prepared uh, but what happened is towards the end of the first hearing we actually made the mother of that uh, child speak in court for a minute and after she narrated that incident where the child had died 3 hours after getting it the judges were also kind of stunned that we almost there was like the silence in court for for a bit and then you know the hearing started happening and it was again a long process we you know we had many hearings where just for one one to 2 hours our advocates have argued non stop and then the other hearings have happened where we had to repeat many things like the there's times where the hearings were spaced out So the judges would forget a little bit about what we told them last time. So we again have to repeat it. So it's kind of getting frustrating for us also. You know, it's like we're all thinking the judge is just buying time. He's bought out. He's not going to give a ruling in our favor. Uh, he's trying to be biased towards the state government. But then there was a turning point in the case where the judge caught some legal mistake of the state government, and then he totally went berserk on them. You know, like he humiliated the state government lawyer in front of the court. So a lot of interesting things happened that way, and. after that you know there's a turn of events and we landed up winning that case it's very interesting so maybe he was like kind of on our side to begin with and then but he wasn't sure what to do and then he found this mistake and could really sort of hark on it and yeah. i th- i think he didn't really want to rule on scientific grounds yeah. so he was trying to find some legal place where they made a mistake which he then got So what happened is that the committee that's supposed to advise the state government to pass the restrictions, in their uh, meetings they're supposed to maintain minutes of everything they're doing. So the judge found out that these people don't have any minutes, like the orders that the state government has issued. There are no minutes behind them. So once he caught that, then he really like you know he knew that these people had messed up. So he grilled them properly. And then the next time, so the the actual lawyer for the state government was like, no no we have them. we don't have them right now but next time i'll get it so then the chief justice adjourned it like you know immediately two days later and then he didn't have anything so he could not get anything 
so he came and he was trying to make excuses saying that no we don't have it but next time we will surely do this and all so uh, you know on on these kind of issues the judge really went hard i think what happened is that the judge kind of wanted to rule in our favor in the somewhere in the middle of the case because we saw his attitude also turning but because everyone in the country is against this issue if he didn't really have a strong point to show the public also that these people did mess up legally in a big way I, I he was I mean I we think that maybe he was a little scared in order to go against everyone and give that ruling. So he was really trying to give the state government as much time to justify and to even show that look I gave them many chances but they just screwed up so badly that I I couldn't help it like I would have to pass the order. That's the way in which I perceive the situation. Okay, Bob. Uh, Wolfgang, you had a question. Yes, you, you spoke several times about AstraZeneca, and um, which is the percentage of of this this brand? How often is it used? Is it was it used very often in India, or was it just some cases? Yes. So, AstraZeneca is actually COVID shield out here. Uh, it's actually used almost eighty to ninety percent of the vaccines that have been delivered uh, have been AstraZeneca. So. Major, major percentages. Almost the entire country has got the shot, oh, and it's of course even you all must be knowing that it's linked to you know uh, clotting-related issues quite a bit. That way, even in the yes. scientific literature, even evidence is coming out now about uh, myocarditis and uh, heart inflammation and the mm -hmm. AstraZeneca vaccines linked to that. I was just reading a paper from London, uh, you know, a study that was done in UK, I think from two months back, that yes. was showing an association between. AstraZeneca vaccine administration and the increase in uh, heart-related myocarditis and pericarditis and stuff. There's another, so definitely, yeah. like, uh, yeah. There's another point that is um, we are suspicious. That is that uh, in Great Britain, UK, also AstraZeneca was used quite often, and there were cases of young children getting hepatitis, and this happened. They were not vaccinated themselves, but you, as you know, AstraZeneca uses a vector. And they say this vector yes. cannot spread. Mm -hmm. But if this vector should spread, which is said that it could not happen, but if it should do, this would be an explanation for the for the, those young children who suddenly get an hepatitis with adenovirus. It was adenovirus was found in all those cases, and um, which is an autoimmune disease. So it's it's damaging the immune system. So the hepat yeah. the, in the the liver is 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 damaged, and there are two children in Great Britain that had to get a liver transplant. Very small children, and many are, have been in hospital intensive care, and they don't speak about it any longer. And I found out that in even in UK, when they they made a committee to examine those cases, but one thing they didn't think of, they did not ask whether the parents, the mother, for instance get the AstraZeneca shot or which shot they got because this would be very important if there is a shedding by this by this virus mm. and then and the breast it is coming through the breast milk for instance then it, this would be a, an explanation for for it but we, nobody cares for it nobody looks at it nobody observes it and i think there is an uh, there is a blindness which is not uh, not accidentally i think um, they don't want to look at it because something might come out then. So it, I would be very interested in your country, because so many shots of AstraZeneca were used, whether there's someone aware of such a problem and whether someone finds 
the liver diseases in children or whether it is a point of discussion. I think it's a, it's very important to at least to to examine this. I don't know whether it's true, but what will come out, but I think it's a very important point. Surely, I, we are collecting a lot of data from uh, people as well. So even on our website, we had a diverse event form and we'd encourage people in, in our network to fill that. So maybe I can take a look at that and see if there are any uh, reports of you know in, incidents like these. But since we're only collecting data from vaccinated people you know we would not really see if unvaccinated people are getting that issue so i don't think we we have that data as far as adverse events go in the media mainly what we're seeing right now as a result of the shot is a huge spike in heart attacks so in our city as well in mumbai where we fought this case uh, the municipal corporation publishes data every six months on how many heart related like deaths are happening how many heart attack deaths are happening so it used to be for the years preceding, uh, you know, 2021, even in 2021, uh, it was like 8,000, 7,000, 6,500, 9,000. Yeah. And then suddenly, just for the first half of 2022, the deaths have shot up to 18,000, you know, just for the first half. So if we assume the same number for the second half, you know, that lands up at somewhere around 35,000, which is almost like three and a half times increase over the average heart attack deaths that were happening just in my city. And these are official numbers. Like, of course, you know, the underreportedness of our system is uh, very evident. Like, it's not that great. Mm. So a lot of stuff lands up getting underreported. So we are mainly seeing these kind of issues. We are also in the press, we're seeing a huge rise in neurological disorders. Uh, we are also seeing, uh, you know, a couple of cases of uh, other viruses getting activated, like, herp, like varicella zoster reactivation uh, following these kind of scenes and i mean speaking to your point we don't really know right i mean with all this independent studies that are being done surrounding graphene surrounding different kinds of things that we're finding independent investigators are finding in these shots we can't trust anything they say you know they can even say that they've inactivated the virus but how do we really know that so yeah i mean this we just need more uh, you know stronger evidence and more independent analysis and then we can use that in court to you know achieve certain things but i'll tell you so we actually tried to push the adverse events point in court in the Supreme Court case as well as out here. But the judge's typical attitude is, it was that, uh, you know, there's so much greater good happening. So in that, uh, if so many, the huge countries uh, percentage is getting vaccinated, and then like a small number of people are landing up with adverse events comparatively, then it's a price worth paying. This was the attitude both at the Supreme Court and the High Court. And we gave them a lot of data to counter it. You know, talking about the under-reporting in the AEFI system, talking about the systemic bias that people don't even are aren't even making the connection. So we not even see the adverse events because people not even connect it and report it. So how are you even going to analyze the data when people won't even step forward to report the data because of how they've been brainwashed to believe? You know, these are fundamental factors that affect vaccine reporting and our perception of how deadly the vaccines are overall. So because of these issues, you know, uh, the court actually didn't, the Supreme Court uh, didn't want to actually go into the issues we were highlighting with the adverse events reporting because of which they didn't take the side effects point very seriously. They were like, the government has set up this committee. The committee is complying with WHO norms on uh, adverse event reporting and causality. Mm. Uh, the good thing the Supreme Court did is they asked the government to advertise the system, which is exactly what we wanted because there's no awareness. The government has been using all our taxpayer money to do propaganda, constant propaganda. 
uh, and uh, you know they haven't really spread any awareness that the vaccines could have side effects you know even one in a million they haven't even said that they've just come out and falsely said it's totally safe uh, so we actually got the supreme court to ask the state government to do that the central government to do that they haven't done it yet though they implemented mm-hmm. the voluntary reporting system but they haven't yet uh, advertised it this, so we are going to be taking up that further this would not show up in the in the adverse report system because those children were not vaccinated themselves yes that's true this would, yep. but what what was uh, obvious that such cases have not been there before and there were hundreds of cases in europe which were counted up to now and um, they they were severely ill young children and uh, it it just started when the vaccination campaign started it has it has not been observed before in this quantities that children get uh, such a severe uh, hepatitis and uh, so we have to we have just to make people aware that there could mm. be the reason could be shedding and uh, the most probable thing because almost all those children had uh, adenoviruses they were they were found as the only as the only uh, uh, virus or the only possible uh, thing that could could be the reason for this hepatitis and they don't know why because normally adenovirus doesn't make a hepatitis but uh, the vector of astrazeneca is adenovirus from a chimpanzee which is yes, genetically that's... modified and uh, if this adenovirus starts uh, being spread from the mothers or from the father who have close contact with the children this would be an explanation and we just have to think it you could ask question to the government whether they observe it and how many cases of children hepatitis have happened without that to, without finding any virus which normally makes hepatitis they didn't find any other virus so this is a very no, uh, we will uh, we will definitely file some right to information requests mm-hmm. to the government and at least try to try to collect some data maybe look up uh, if we can find anything on the internet or in any sources about this yeah, for thank, sure thank you i have a, uh, like two more questions like uh, are there is there data emerging on like fertility issues in india because we have um, we're going to hear like uh, later we're going to hear someone uh, with this regard there's actually quite a drop in fertility in in, li- in live live births um uh, since 2020 2022 basically so it cannot be connected to co- the coronavirus but rather um, might have is its uh, reason in the in the co- the cause in the vaccination process so let, let me tell you this i've been studying the fertility rate for a very long time because uh, the global eugenicists you know who actually had this uh, pseudo scientific ideology of sterilizing people they deem to uh, you know kind of say they're unfit to procreate uh, this was a policy that was used by western nations against the third world you know even kissinger wrote about it in one of his documents in uh, the 1970s sometime so actually because of that i've been studying the eugenics agenda and how uh, many foundations like the rockefeller foundation and ford foundation have come into india ever since the british left and they've been implementing these uh, kind of uh, you know su- they're not they don't call it eugenics but they call it family planning population control so our fertility rate actually used to be 6 uh, in the 1950s and as a result of uh, their policies of actually sterilizing people and including forced sterilizations india had an emergency a government uh, you know declared emergency in the 1970s where almost 8 million people were forcefully sterilized by the government 
because the states were given huge targets to do this, just like they've been given for the vaccine issue. So because of that, because of these, uh, you know, eugenics policies, we've seen a decline in India's fertility rate from six, and now it's at an average of 2.2. So uh, because, you know, already the fertility rate has declined so much over the years, you know, it would be difficult to see an association after the vaccines, and there's really no one doing research on this. Because even the scientists who I know who are publishing papers in some Indian journals that do come upon, you know, like PubMed and stuff, uh, they are mainly uh, seeing patients, you know, who are coming and maybe there are some adverse events, there are some heart issues. So they are trying to like write papers on these things. But no one's really studying the fertility angle. So I we really don't have any data regarding that because no one's really looked at pre and post maybe sperm counts or fertility rates like pre and post vaccination the analysis still has to be done so as of now we don't have any data on that okay yeah then the last question so the general mood um the process of awakening uh, how do you see that in india or like and i mean like sort of becoming real really aware of what's going on or and are people simply maybe fed up with uh you know new measures is there anything ahead and how would people react to that I would say after we won these cases, a lot of our audience kind of got complacent because for a year we'd run this campaign against vaccines and masks. And after we kind of took the mandates back, people got a little relaxed. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, okay, fine. There's like a little breathing room now. There's uh, These mandates have been taken aback. So what we've been focusing on in the last couple of months is really to make people aware about the larger Great Reset, New World Order Agenda, about the banking system, about all these political shifts that are going to be happening around the climate issue and how that's going to be misused to take away our rights. So we've been focusing more on that and we've been like expanding the conversation more than just the vaccine mask issue that we were mainly focused on because that was the need of the hour one, one, like one year back. But now, you know, there are more issues that people need to think about. So I would say it's very optimistic. Uh, personally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm big in the YouTube circuit out here in India. So I've appeared on a couple of podcasts recently that a lot of people watch. So, you know, I've got the opportunity to do two, three hour deep dives and really go into these issues, which are very new for Indian people. So I would say the word is getting out that way. And a lot of people are starting to take it more seriously now. It's definitely been a huge tsunami of change. I remember starting out, especially for me, because I have a context since 2015. I was struggling to speak to like two, three friends. And, you know, no one actually cared about any of these issues back then. But 2020, it was a lot more people. And now 2022, we have, uh, you know, lakhs of people across the country who are supporting us, who are members of Awaken India movement. So we've definitely grown a lot and it's expanding constantly. And I just feel that, uh, you know, the more kind of attacks the globalists do on us, whether that's on various fronts, the currency front, the food front, uh, the climate front. So I think the more of the liberties they take away from us, the more chance we'll have to expose them and get more people on our side. So it's, it's just going to keep growing from here. Like that's that's how I see it going. You do a great work. I think uh, I really appreciate what you what you tell us. And I think uh, there's big hope. And uh, thank you so go much. Go on, be strong. Dr. Vodad, I have respected your work for years. I've been uh, actually since I woke up, I, you know, read about your entire uh, swine flu thing in 2009, like what you did with the Parliamentary Affairs Committee of Europe and everything. So big respect for all the work you've done as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Johan. It was lovely to talk to you. And then let's stay in touch about further developments. Likewise.
Nice to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank so you. much. Now we have a next, next guest. It's um, from Denmark, uh, Mes Paltrik. He's a financial finance whistleblower. He used to be a, an, an executive uh, at Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse and Barclay. So, uh, Mess, um, are you here with us? Yeah. Hi, Vivienne, and hi, Wolfgang. Hello. We Hello. just met in Vienna. Nice to yeah. see you again. Yeah, we yeah, just good met to see you. at the conference, so it's great that you are here with us today. Yeah, maybe would you like to give us a little bit of your background? I mean, you come from a very different, you basically from inside, let's call it the beast, I don't know like how you how to say that. Okay. You go ahead. Well, please. first of all, I want to say that uh, I'm very grateful for all the great colleagues I had in the beast system, all the bankers. We had absolutely no clue what was going on. I was a government bond trader. I traded government bonds. And um, I also traveled sometimes with uh, salespeople and economists to various um, ministries of finance and central banks and tried to advise them how they could structure that debt to the lowest possible interest. So, I mean, to lower the cost and the, the, and the, and the tax burden on the population. So I, I have been trained to, to think about how we can create um, an economic system that is conducive to growth and uh, the well-being of people so that we can all have a higher standard of living. That's the only thing I have been focusing on for nearly 30 years. And um, yeah, so my background was that I when I started to realize that the policies of the central bank governors and the IMF and the World Bank was the result was always very beneficial to the largest economic powers of the world and very rarely for the, the people that they were claiming they were trying to help. And I spoke out quite a lot about it. And in the end, it was too much. And I, uh, I was uh, fired at Morgan Stanley in April, even though I'd made my entire budget for the year. And I've never heard of any trader who had been fired having made his budget in April. That's not how it normally works in an American investment bank. And I, then I spent three years before I finally gave up and I realized I was blacklisted. I could not get a job. So, but I had time to study and I realized that uh, it's not only banking that is being used as a tool to funnel all the wealth up in centralizing in, in a, within a few hands, as few hands as possible, but it's also everything else. Now we've seen it with the, with the Corona and the, the pandemic. And but we also see it with everything else, 5G, electromagnetic frequencies. We see it with the illegal wars. We see it with all the false flag operations. It's um, it's everything, basically. <laughs> so I have time to, to study and look into these different areas. And um, it's a huge task we have upon us. Um, but I hope to be able to come with a few ideas how we can work together to to um, to, to have some, 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 some ideas how we can fight um fight back to this 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 centralization of power and centralization of wealth in my view is bolshevism it's exactly what happened in Mao's china and in the soviet union everything was decided in uh, in moscow like now everything is decided in the an eu commission that has not been elected and then we have in the entire world's governments following recommendations from an unelected, privately owned, privately controlled organization like the WHO. This, it cannot be more centralized than that. This is Bolshevism on steroids. Mm -hmm. well, that's just the name, Bolshevism. That doesn't, doesn't explain so much. I think it's important to understand how they do it, 
how do they do it? I, we, I, if I think we should have different society, we always speak about regionalization, have smaller, have smaller political entities. But then when you look at it, you see that the garbage system, there are only five big enterprises in, in Europe who take the whole garbage. We don't know where they take it, but they, they have monopolized that. They, if you, the energy sector, it's five, or the, the telecommunication sector, it's always the infrastructure we need in our daily life. They're all monopolized. The food, the food production, only some of some very few and very big companies with the investors behind who connect all this. So it's a very, very, very big network. And how could we manage to, to stop this? They, because they cannot, they cannot be helpful with a society who calls itself democ democratic. Let's say that the people try to find out how they want to live together and they decide and they self-organize because the power in the democracy should be in the people. And this is very difficult, has become very difficult. Do you have any um, examples where, where it goes in another, in a different way, where people succeed to have this from bottom up, uh, bottom up uh, system, which they shape themselves? Well, there have been several examples um, where, where, where people have succeeded creating wealth to the people. Um, Japan from 1945 to 1990 was one example where they basically controlled the money creation to the benefit of the entire society. I mean, as we all know, Japan was leveled up during the World War. And um, and it's an island where you can only grow food on, I think, three or four percent of the area. And basically, it's impossible to have so many people living in such a small space and then have a high, high standard of living. But they did through a very smart way of creating money in, and funneling money into various parts of the economy and that created this miracle which really it isn't but the, the, it's just using the power of money creation the world is so abundant that if you if you just make sure that you, that you have a government that is not obstructing wealth creation not obstructing human creativity and allows people just just to get on with it i mean you need you, you need law and order and protection of of people but in, in but in all in all, the less bureaucracy, the less technocracy, the better, and 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 the humans will find ways to to make make life better for for themselves and and each other in the process. Also, a comment on what you said is that you asked. I mean, how do they get away with it? I think that that you you um, that that obviously it's through the media and the educational system. The the posts are designed to brainwash. I mean, it's like Goebbels on steroids. It's just the media is. If you tell a lie and many many times enough, then it becomes the truth, and that is what they do. The media are controlled by I think it's four or five corporations, and um, and, and we have been seeing censor censorship over the last two years that we would not expect to see outside of uh, the 1970s uh, Soviet Union, and then you have the entire educational system which is based on brainwashing. It's based on train training obedient slaves in a slave system that is centrally centrally controlled now the elite have for two and a half thousand years been training their children in trivium that is grammar and logic and rhetoric that is a way of, of, of studying facts as they are 
And if you if you do that and you and you uh, you disagree with the professor, you have an intellectual intellectual interesting scientific discussion that 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 creates and 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 brings the human humanity forward. Now, the way the Western educational system is organized for 99% of our population is not trivial. It is basically jumping over the grammar straight to the logic. So first, the professor. The teacher and the government tells you what the right answer is, and then you, the student, goes down into the grammar, look for facts that proves that the government and the professor is right. If you do so, you get a good grade. But if you find some facts that are, that disagrees with the party line from this new Communist Party 2.0, then you fail your exam and you won't get a job, you won't get a career. You, so we basically learn for 12 or sometimes 17 years of studying that if that that the, the, the best way forward is just to, to to leave your brain at home, go to the indoctrination uh, factory, which is called a university, and just do as you're told. Then you go ahead. And that is probably the reason why we've seen so few academics over the last yeah. two and a half years. Yeah. We've seen, in, I have a political party. We have plenty of builders and IT people and old pensioners who have time to look into how the thing really is going. Only those three groups. It's builders, IT people, and old people. The rest, academics, I mean, I, I can. on one hand, I can count all the doctors who've been speaking out in Denmark a country with 5.8 million, I can count it on one hand. I can count it on two or three fingers, the amount of lawyers who have been speaking out. I mean, and that I think is because of this, this 17 years of brainwashing they, they have been through because you, you, don't, you don't see them. And I agree with the monopolies. I only said the, the economic concentration on, on, on a few wealthy people. And I said the European Commission, the WHO, but you're absolutely right. They want to consolidate so you buy all your furniture in one company, there could, there could be IKEA, you will be banking all your banking with one bank, that could be Citibank, for example, and so on. I totally agree with you. And that is because they're not interested in, in growth. They're not interested in human beings finding out how incredibly wealthy the world is. Yes. The world is so abundant. There's no reason anybody's homeless. There's no reason anybody is poor. I just looked it up and now the examine in medicine is done now you have multiple choice questions and there are some that are right that they say are right and others that are false that's this is uh, the simplification how you have to think when you want to 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 win your examine and uh, those multiple choice uh, yeah, it's just a compression of, of of possibilities how to answer maybe you even if you misunderstand something what you are asked there may be arise some questions that would not in a discussion so that the professor and the student suddenly have a process of of understanding each other and being aware that the student is thinking a very new thing nobody has seen from this perspective before the whole problem so there are there are innovations coming from not following the rules there, there are never innovations if you just obey. And I right. think this is a very, very damaging system where our children have to grow in. And I hope we, we find alternatives and we are, and the government allows alternatives. They make pressure that we go into their obedience schools. But I think we have to find out how to manage that creativity is, is, is paying off, that it's, a, that it's freedom. 
right? I mean, I, no, no, uh, the, the, the majority has never invented anything. It has always been an individual. And most of the times, because they made a mistake, yeah. most of the times, because they, they did something they were not supposed to do. Yeah. And we go, oh my God, this is much better. I remember a, a statement allegedly coming from the head of the, the patent office in the United States in the year 1900. The, the head of the guy who looked at all the inventions of United States of America on the highest peak of that growth. And he came out and said, now everything that can be invented has been invented. The, he said this, the, he was elected the biggest expert 122 years ago, right? <laughs> so this is just an example. It's very scary <laughs> if you have a world controlled by, by these uh, technocrats uh, and, and uh, academics. So what are your, um, you've looked into like, like how there could be like a, a better system and um, maybe I think you also focused a bit on, on the situation in Iceland and as an inspiration, could you maybe give us some more details about that? Okay, yeah, I mean, so right now I think basically we are very um, reactive instead of being proactive. We are, we are very reactive. All of us coming together now trying to protect humanity from all these crimes, uh, particularly I'm talking about the, the corona pandemic, the crimes that are committed there, and we are very reactive. And I think that the 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 people who are behind this are also the people who are behind everything else. They're behind the illegal wars. They're behind the 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 you, you they have still they have stolen usurped the the power of to create money from us and um i think what one thing i would like to see is that we all come together um with something that is more proactive yes. i mean just like i'm a big big football fan we have a saying that you know we can always have a second football team so for example if you're a Chelsea fan like me, then you could have Newcastle as your second team. And we all have this. Some people are within fighting for for healthy medical system. Some people are fighting against the 5G. Some people are fighting for peace and so on. How about we all had a second thing we could fight for? And that could be something that really could be a game changer. And that would be to to take away the money from these people. And one way to do that would be to go out and tout in the horn that by the way, why, why does it say that human beings should pay 80% tax and debt corporations zero? Where does it say that? How do they get away with this? I know they get away with it. And part of it is brainwashing with the following meme, which is basically, if we believe in, uh, in the vaccines are, are, are contagious and spreading and not the other, the exosome theory, then memes are spreading like vaccines are doing. Um, and th that meme is basically that, that people have been brainwashed to say the following sentence. Yes, but they create a lot of jobs. <laughs> and therefore all of us, that's, that's the only reason why multinational corporations should not pay tax. And, and I mean, please, if, if any of you who are watching this show hear this sentence in your head, you have been brainwashed because small businesses actually create more jobs in terms of, of how money, how much money they make, how much energy they put in. They create more jobs than yes. the multinational corporations. The multinational corporations is all about, about uh, cutting jobs, cutting spending, moving, moving resources to another country where they can have child slave labor and stuff like that. It's not tr even true. It's even a lie. So I think if we could now start, and I have some some ideas. I have a lot of them, but the first one I would like to share would be: let's tax 
transfers of money. It was called the Tubin tax. Yes. He only wanted to touch uh, currency trades. But I think any transfer in a bank, any transfer uh, that is that is allowed in your country, take 0.1% to begin with, and that, then earmark that to lower the, the energy cost uh, we have and the electricity cost we have so that people can survive winter. Because a lot of people are, are looking at their energy bills and they're like, they have to sell their family home, they have to close down their businesses. There are a lot of people who now have maybe like small businesses, they get their energy bill is up with 30, 40, 50,000 euro. That was their salary. That was their personal salary that's gone just in an energy price hike. And there is a way to save these people. We have to act fast. We have to act together. And we all have to go a little bit out of our uh, comfort zone. But this is so, so simple. Let's put a small, small tax. So if you put, if you transfer a thousand euro, it costs you one euro. But if you're a multinational corporation and you travel, you transfer a billion, it costs you a million. If you transfer ten billion, it costs you ten million. Whenever you import for a billion, costs you a million. When you pay out salaries of a billion, it costs you a million. Bam, 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 bam. The money is going to. To, to, to come into the, the coffers of the Ministry of Finance in all our countries, they'll be repl replenished with money, and that money can be spent to, to make people afford just to survive winter to begin with. And my hope is then people will get rid of that stupid meme, they create a lot of jobs, and then they will start thinking, hey, that, that's, a, that's nice, let's have some more of this action. This, this could work. We could actually tax the debt multinational corporations that are not sustainable, they're not good for the climate, they're not good for employment, they don't care about you, and then stop taxing human beings of flesh and blood, human beings who have empathy with each other, human beings who really are looking, most people are looking for solutions that, that benefits themselves first, of course, and their family, but in general, actually benefits society uh, overall, most people do that. Com companies don't do that. It's it's dead. It cannot do it. The problem is that it's a global um, phenomenon. So uh, this means, I mean, if you if you then can venture out to the whatever the islands, uh, the Isle of Wight, or wherever you're located, or uh, Jersey Island, or whatever, then um, then this doesn't, you know, then they will try to avoid this. So this would need to be like a global effort. Otherwise, it cannot work, right? Yes, two things I'll say to that. Of course, um, it has to be global. But the good thing is, you guys are from Germany. I'm from Denmark. We just met in Vienna together with activists from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, France, everywhere, all over the world. And it, the idea is, let's do this at the same time. And of course, they will try to cheat. But 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 you know what? We will have a lot of technocrats who have been trained in 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 basically thinking that all human beings are criminals. They're all trying to avoid paying tax and looking for loopholes wherever these people. What we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, you guys, you've been so good at, at making life miserable for human beings. So now we want to use your fantastic skills. Look over here instead. Look for the corporations. 
and and I will also be able to offer some free 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 advice to the to these technocrats how they can get hold of these uh, these corporations. It's it's not that hard. You can just look at what was your turnover last year. Thank you very much. If all of a sudden you start moving your money around in Cayman Island, then you're not allowed to operate in our country. End of story. Or you can just pay what the the, the equivalent of what you paid what what your what your turnover was last year. Which one is going to be easy? It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's with our government we have now. It's a big problem, you know. If they negotiate with Warburg Bank, our chancellor, and afterwards has forgotten what they negotiated, um, it's a problem, I think, which is getting obvious. And uh, so we we have to find. Uh, I think we have to find politicians too that are that dare to to go for this. And I think the politicians only go for this when they feel that they won't be elected if they don't do it. So we have to have a people's movement. And you're very right. When it's an international movement, it's growing faster. If you start a movement in one country, it maybe grows, but that's all the all the obstacles are there. But if, if, they, if the people observe that in the other countries, there's such a movement too, they will dare much more and they will be much more successful, I think. And this is, I, I feel very well that we have this discussion which started with Corona here, that we have we, that we have internationalized it, that we just saw a guy from from India and we have contacts all over the world, and in Vienna we saw this. You mentioned it, so I think it's a it's a very good thing we can build on build on 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 this basic experience already. And if I'm just add, I think we have a, a very good chance now because they collapsed the economy. Every, all the prices are, are manufactured, or the energy price going up or down, or the food prices. Everything is many. We don't have a free market at all, and so I think it's it's actually good in that sense because we people have they they are very very um, you know. Uh, more likely to to fight for this if they can't pay their energy bill. So they will go to their politician and say, you know, I'm freezing, you need to look into this. And then the politician can go, no, I don't think that Bill Gates should be paying 0.1% when he transfers money. I think you should be cold. And then people will know who he's working for, <laughs> right? But they can't do it. It's the politicians, they, can, they cannot officially be against it. Whether you're red, green, or blue, you cannot be against this suggestion. What they can do is they can try to stall, which they would, because they don't want to do it because they're being paid by the globalists, so they don't want to do it. Obviously, they'll try to stall it, but this time, people are freezing. So people will, will be calling every day. Why are you? Why? What? What's going on? Why you know? You know, I'm still cold. I, I can't pay my bill. Come on, move, move, move. And so I think that's gonna. There's this sense of urgency. Um. So in that sense would be good if if putin doesn't win the, the the war until at least sometime late november so we can have this done before <laughs> because if putin wins before then energy prices are going to collapse and people go oh that's not too bad and then people don't do anything so um yeah so i think that would be those good. people you speak about perhaps they have already a timeline how to how to do with this war and uh, when to optimize the war for them so um, all those who participate they try to find something where they can get some money out of it, some power out of it. It this never this war never comes from the people. It always comes from those people who are speculating that how to have their bargain out of this crisis and how to use this crisis. And uh, it, I'm very, uh, I'm not afraid of of uh, this war just exploding or doing something. I think it is controlled. It's a controlled thing, and they could stop at any time. And we have to do. 
everything that they stop it as soon as possible. Yes, of course, of course. I was just was just a bad joke, but but just just because um, I, I know how how people a lot of people I've seen how they act over the last six years. Uh, so also when when Putin attacked Ukraine, then all of a sudden a lot of freedom fighters have just forgotten the the pandemic, and all of a sudden they just oh Putin is worse than Hitler. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, so so yeah, uh, it's um, it's just because I, I know how I've seen how people are have been reacting. But I think it, it, it would be great if we could, uh, instead of centralizing all the power, have more decentralized, like you spoke about earlier in our conversation, that we should have more decentralization. That's one thing. And the, the other thing is, is, is of course, uh, this this in incredible wealth um, creation that has happened over the last uh, 100 years, have, 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 have almost all of it have landed on very, very few hands. The world is so abundant. The world is so rich. Um, yeah. We are, we are producing so much. Even though that there are people with a lot of power and a lot of economic might that are trying to destroy the the the, the food production capacity of the of the earth, then it still it still keeps keeps producing keeps producing. So, yeah. but like in your system. Um, you know, the precondition is that these large corporations continue to exist. So, but with the, you know, whatever, like, say we're looking at some sort of collapsing of the economy because of this, like, uh, overprinting of money and because whatever, like, uh, the energy prices and so on. I mean, we see already that for in for uh, companies producing cars and so on, it, it gets becomes more and more complex to even continue producing. So, um, I mean, we're looking, obviously, these, these um, digital companies like uh, Google, like Amazon and so on, they might continue to exist, but could it be that the large, the super large like um, uh, corporations that they might uh, cease to exist at some point and then how would your system work? Would it, who would then be affected by this new taxation system? Smaller businesses as well or how could that work? Well, I mean, Ideally, if the larger corporations weren't here, we would have so much growth. We'll have no, we'll have full employment, and we'll have no poverty whatsoever. So then we could, we could probably remove most of the this tax. Uh, we wouldn't need it anymore because we wouldn't, you know, people would be able to pay for their own health uh, service. Then they would, um, nobody would need unemployment benefits and so on. So I, I think that would be solving itself. I think it's, I think. It's very important to see right now that the globalization has has taken away each country's ability to be independent. So you are producing all the computer chips in China, maybe, and you're producing all the lithium in Central Africa, maybe. I don't even know why it's produced, but, but I just to give you an example. And so what they're doing now, they're artificially creating uh, uh, economic problems in the world by 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 sabotaging the the, the these components necessary for the production of consumer goods so that we it's uh, everything is artificial everything is fake nothing is is real um and they're doing this but if you look at it they have not come with this collapse that everybody's talking about it's it is like the wizard of oz it's this old guy standing behind the the, the screen shouting oh i'm so dangerous oh I'm so dangerous, right? This is how it is. They're just threatening. So, so Putin, he attacks Eastern Ukraine. 
after the Ukrainian Nazis have been killing 15,000 Ukrainian, uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians for, for eight years, bombing them, torturing them, doing whatever they wanted for eight years. And then he comes in, the minute the corona narrative is collapsing, the minute the truckers in Canada are winning, then Putin attacks uh, Ukraine, right? And, and then we're all talking about World War. It's really, really a very tiny ge geographical area that is this war. And this, this, in, this incredible collapse, I know for the people who are going bankrupt right now, and there are a lot of them, there are too many, but actually it's not really a, a total collapse we're having here. And I think that, that um, what, if, if the economy collapses, whatever you see of recession or, or, um, or, or food prices going up, energy prices going up, that is a sign we are winning. Because what they're going to do, these people, they, are, they, are, they have committed so many crimes. They're standing with their back against the wall. And, um, and some of them want, I think, to destroy everything. And they, 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 they are really fighting. They, want to, they, they wouldn't mind creating a new war to take, the diversion, to, the, the, to, to take the attention away from what is going on. I think they would. But the problem with that is more people wake up. When people are hungry and starving, they wake up, they look into, what was this? So not only did I take this injection and uh, some of my family died, but now I, they also take my money. Now this is it, I'm not having that as well, right? I, I just spoke with a random bartender in, uh, in, in Vienna and he was 40 years old, his 41 year old brother, he, he had a heart attack, was ne nearly died and his wife had cancer. All all three, him, the bartender and his wife and his brother, all triple vaccinated. And they all had this just after being vaccinated. Come on. It is so scary. He, he knew, he knows it. He, this guy, bartender, he was not a freedom fighter. He, he, but he's now aware, yes, we have been duped. People, people know it. People know it. So we have a chance now with, this, with, with them trying to create this collapse of the economy we have a chance now there are so many good people in in within the system we we, we i i think uh, you know i have certainly more help from people within the system here in denmark than i have from other freedom fighting groups for sure big time the freedom fighting groups have been infiltrated left right and center but the people in power they go to work they want to have a well-functioning system the people in the danish health authorities they want healthy danes they are they they don't go to to the work and want to inject people with poison they don't they 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 love being danish they love their danish friends they want everybody to be healthy so i think there is a lot of stuff going for us people are sabotaging them just like we did during the war and from 1940 to 1945 we were sabotaging the germans of course there was a summer of 1944 the entire Danes stopped working for three weeks even though the germans turned off the water and the heating and the whatever they did everything we didn't we had a general strike so so when people have had enough i know we were collaborators for the first three years until we knew german germany was losing then we weren't collaborators anymore but but let's just leave that for another story another day right but it's just to show you that that um, that people don't voluntarily want to help this this evil evil powers they don't want to do it so I'm I'm quite optimistic about this. That's good. I was so pessimistic when I went by the subway here because they all were wearing a mask. Yeah. I thought, oh, we not we have oh. not yet succeeded. <laughs> but no. someone has to set Germany free, and I mean, 
it it is so hard in Germany, and uh, I know I know it. I, I heard this this story about seventeen uh, Nazis had this meeting in Germany. This uh, ultra racist right wing groups. Two of them were Nazis. The fifteen were working for seven different secret agencies, and no, none of the secret agencies knew which of the other ones were also agencies or, or Nazis. Nobody had an idea because they all had you know looked like uh, skinheads yeah. and whatever. Uh, so there's infiltration going on everywhere, and then on yeah. top of that, we have all the old communists. We, we, the Soviet Union were trying to infiltrate us with all these left wing, and they, they agree we shouldn't eat, we shouldn't have a middle class, we shouldn't have family values. All these old communists who infiltrated us to destroy our values, destroy our Christian society, and who have succeeded a long way, they, they, they fit like like foot in, sh in a shoe they fit within klaus Schwab's bolshevism 2.0 the great reset of of centralizing all the power centralizing yeah. all the wealth and you will own nothing you have to rent everything you have to live in a tiny flat so a lot of these people have infiltrated the freedom movements all over all over europe so i i can say being you know a former banker right wing you know <laughs> christian family father i'm not getting any help whatsoever from those guys yeah, I mean, we had this this ruling from the Supreme Court here, basically, um, where they, uh, uh, you know, where, where they were, look, were, were looking into, um, uh, you know, the, the they wanted to uh, forbid this political party um, in in PD, I think the, um, yeah. and they couldn't because the basically the members they were indistinguishable from like the secret services so you couldn't tell who who was who they so had a problem. They, they had a major problem because so the government couldn't uh, forbid itself you know basically doing this kind of activity so it's like it's a, it's a very strange scene yeah but why do you think that in the in the danish do you have the feeling that in the danish uh, freedom movement there's a especially lots uh, um, a giant amount of infiltration or do you think that's everywhere Oh, massive! But it's the same all over, all over, the, all over uh, the world. If you remember back a couple of years ago when we started making all these demonstrations, a lot of money poured into demonstrations. Yay! And um, and then what people did all over Europe at the same time, they um, they basically went out. They made a Facebook group, and then and as soon as they had thirty thousand or forty thousand followers, then they announced a big demonstration. And then they said, fundraising, we're going to have this big demonstration. And then they took all the money and they didn't make the demonstration. And ever since it's been difficult for, 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 for my groups, uh, for, my, for, for my people, for, for us to raise money for demonstration. They did it or in every country in the world within the, six, the same two or three months all over the world. That's a military operation. I mean, you know, there are some cheats out there, of course, who would do it. But when, the, when, you, when this happens, you know, two or three times in every country, then it is by design. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example. Then we had another another example. I would like to say we have two of the biggest groups in Denmark who collected a lot of money for court cases. They never did any. They never did any. They just took the money. Two of the largest and most popular groups in Denmark. They just took all the money. And nothing, nothing, nothing happened. So, so now I'm still fighting now. I mean, I've been fighting for six years for first for the money creation for the people, then against the 5G, and then every day, seven days a week against the Corona. I've been organizing demonstrations. I've been sending notices of liabilities to all the, the, the public servants. I've had meetings with them. 
email com conversations, phone calls, whatever. And 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 we can really feel that 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 people are, not, are very cautious with giving money now because if they cheat, then Mats must be, be a cheater as well, right? What do people know? They don't know me, right? So that is very sad when you see people who are doing that. Yes, we know. You know this um, this possibility that you you have people from from a suppressing state that are that enter all these opposition groups and that enter we have we have big enterprises that are specialized specialists to find out where there starts a movement grassroots movements they to detect grassroots movements they go into internet and they earn their money with detecting grassroots movements one of those companies was the company veratect which i observed with the swine flu and they were those people who were going to Mexico to find some swine flu cases somewhere in hospitals that they could show up and they said, this is a big thing and this will be a pandemic. And so, so they, it was just artificial thing. And such, it was a company which was specialized to find out outbreaks of diseases for pharmaceutical industry. And they found, they found out outbreaks of, of grassroots movement for the people which was what could be used for for secret services or could be used from from political organizations so this is a business and there are privateers that are there are private people that are employed this is not always secret service by the state they are many many enterprises and private specialists former military people former i don't know what lawyers or whatever they are they specialize on doing such job and earn a lot of money with it and they have to be successful, so they have to be well, uh, well disguised. They have to to go into all organizations, all parties, and this is this is what we what we experienced with the with the with the Nazis in Germany too, where they had so many secret service people in their organization. And we've I think we have to we have to think of it, and we have to be aware that they will be everywhere. We have to be suspicious, and ask questions, and try to find out, and speak about it. This is this is yeah. necessary to to have the movement to and to make people, yeah, to make them dare asking questions. We need people who dare ask questions, and uh, who don't just follow. When there where someone goes with a good uh, with some good well spoken uh, parole, and he, he and they just follow, maybe. He leads them somewhere. We know, like the Rattenfänger, we 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 say in uh, Germany, like there's this fairy tale. So, yeah, don't follow Rattenfänger. And do you have well, we any didn't, we didn't... experiences with like this type of people? Are there any like uh, whatever like like for Denmark when you say you observe all these these infiltrators, and it, is there like a certain profile from which you could detect, or just the way they react, act? Um, are there certain things that you find telling? Well, well, first, yeah, like I, I, my first comments would be that that you have to look at what people say and hold it up with what they actually do. So, are they focusing on fighting the the evil empire, the beast system, with all they got, or are they more focused on telling you, oh, Viviana, you should be fighting a little bit different? Oh, Wolfgang, you shouldn't be writing your book. Uh, Thank you very much for for your book. You shouldn't be writing it like that. You should have changed it a little bit, right? Uh, you know, I mean, th those people they they are, they are they are just maybe they could just be annoying people, but they could be. That's a, that's a tell tell sign, yeah. Then you can also hear all these 
politically correct co uh, comments, um, such as you cannot be political, right? That's a huge one. That's the great CIA style that really have sold tickets. Because uh, so what you're allowed to do, you're allowed to make a demonstration and go in and say, oh, if I just demonstrate the right way, then the politicians who are not corrupt at all will listen to me and then they will do exactly what I say, but I cannot be political because we have these great politicians. Why should, could I do better than them? No. So that means that we cannot be political. That's a huge one. And that is um, that is crazy talk, right? We have to be political. They, they, they have clearly failed every single one of them. Ever since Denmark in 2011 voted yes unanimously to kill Gaddafi and destroy a well-functioning country with a high standard of living, we have been a one-party state in Denmark. We have followed recommendations from uh, this international privately owned organization called WHO, all of them, nobody spoke out. And every single law we've had for the last 11 years have been a one-party state come on and if if i wouldn't mind if it was like when i lived in hong kong it's also a dictatorship it was a well-functioning one high service everything was was running perfectly i don't mind that's fine dictatorship could work it did in hong kong when i was there but but when you have a one-party state like in denmark where they make so many mistakes such as injecting people with with poison so that we now have 10 percent more dead people in denmark than we normally do and 10 percent fewer births, then it is a crime and they are not qualified. They should all be fired. No, not, not, there should not be a single one left. That means that there are 179 seats available in Denmark. So we have to be political. We have to because they are not qualified. Either they're too stupid or they're too corrupt or they're too criminal. I don't know which one, but, but they, they have to go. But they have been, but that, so you have, you have a lot of people who are trying to keep people like me out in Denmark because, hey, you know, I have a few tax ideas. I have a few uh, political ideas that will create wealth for everybody. That will make sure that there won't be any any poor people whatsoever. I think that might work in, in within the political system. I want to fight for this system. I don't want a new system. I want my constitution. I want my human rights respected. I want to 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 fight for what my ancestors have has created and yes. they gave to me. I was born in Denmark, a wonderful country, yes. wonderful democracy. I want to fight for that. I don't want a new system. I want my system. That's what I want. Great. And all people all over the world in their country, they could think the same way as you do in Denmark. Yeah, that will be good in my view. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, and you, you, you spoke about, about Iceland before, and that, that was because, um, I mean, in, in the money creation that I'm recommending is, is based on a, on a 100 page document written by Frosty Sigurjonsson, who was a member of parliament in the largest political party in Iceland. He tried to implement it in Iceland, but he did not succeed because they didn't have the majority. And that is basically that you produce the money. So money is created in the government. And right now it's used for buying vaccines or buying stupid airplanes, bombing planes and stuff like that. Um, or it's it's allocated to the real estate in, investors, mainly from abroad, BlackRock and Vanguard, buying up our properties. Or we are using all our money creation on something that is not good or beneficial for, for the citizens. So we we suggest in, in, in our political party, let's create the money. Let's increase the monetary base with, with 4% every year. 
and paid out as dividends, not universal basic income. Oh, oh, no, 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 that's communism. Universal basic income, that is the human being standing with his hand out asking, oh, please, dear government, be so kind. I'm so useless. I can't look after myself. Give me some money. No, no, we don't want that. We don't want that. We are the government. We tell the government what they can do. They represent us and they work for us. So we, we are not getting universal basic income. We're getting a dividend. We are all shareholders in our country. So we, I'm, a, I'm a Dane, so I own one, one 5.8 million of this money creation. So I should have every month my share, and so should my wife and our three kids and our grandson. We should all have, like all Danes, we should have a dividend. We are owners of this system. That is what we wanted to, to, we want to implement. And that is hugely beneficial if you want to create a large middle class, if you want to create people who can who can um, take a, take some time out if they need to get a new new education or if they have a job they don't like or if they have to tend a, a sick family member or something like that then we we need a a a more resourceful middle class in fact we need to 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 remove all poverty and create one big middle class and we're not talking about we all should have exactly the same not at all not at all I'm just saying that we we need to make sure that everybody has a chance to reach their full potential. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. Let's do it. Let's do it, Wolfgang, <laughs> and Vivian. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, I have one last question. I think Denmark cut the um, the vaccines. Uh, didn't they? Didn't they say that it's not not recommended anymore? Um, for people younger than 50 or so or what is what are the details and how is, has that been so, received I mean, I mean nobody's ever gonna tell you tell 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 me this but i think it is because of our activism we have been finding out who's who's in charge of this who's responsible and we sent the notice of liability we find out so who is in charge so we, we we went to the police and we said the people who are injecting children they are committing manslaughter and we, we we so we need we need them to go to jail who's doing it who's in charge police said oh no that's not us and then they said they they held stories they oh no no that's not and then it's the regions Denmark has been divided in 10 different regions and each is responsible so we just wrote to everybody you are in charge you are responsible for killing children they're dying from this you are responsible and then two weeks later they they just said it's we cannot inject children under 18 it happened two weeks after we wrote to everybody so please out there just go for it just just go for it just tell them because even if you don't have the power right now the people are very risk averse they know that the beast system of the moment control the police they control the, the courts they control the judges they control the military but that's only now. People are risk averse. People, most people are expecting to live another 30, 40, 50 years. And people know that things change. So I think, please, everybody, just go out there and, and, and say no. Keep, don't create a new system. Fight for your system and, and believe in the people within the system that they will help you. Because that's certainly what has happened in Denmark on multiple occasions, multiple occasions. So I think that is why they, they stopped it, because yes. they do not want to be charged yes. in three or four years when the, the people realize that half of Denmark has died from this vaccine or whatever. How many is dying? I don't know. Maybe it's only 10 percent or what, I don't know, 20 percent. But, but it, people will find out and they know it.
And the policemen have children too. Exactly. Yeah. Police are great in Denmark. They are really friendly. When I go, when I ask for a demonstration, I get it with, I get permission in an hour or two hours. And when they come, they're all chatty and smiling and friendly. Yes. And you know, yeah, I always, I, I always have met policemen. Even if I did something wrong, I had to pay something, which sometimes happened when you drive a car. Huh? So I had to pay something, and they were all the time. They were friendly. They were not my enemies. So I always had, I always was aware that it's good to have good policemen and to good police. And when I saw the when I saw the manifestation in in uh, 2020 and in Berlin, I was I did not understand what was going. I did not understand those uniformed guys who were just tearing people and and and, and mistreating them. And I heard that uh, the state of Berlin, they just employed private private uh, security firms to do the, such jobs. And I, I've made a report for the Council of Europe about private security firms. And I learned a lot about that sector. And you know, this land grabbing, for instance, which what they do all over the world, it is only possible because they do it with their own policemen. They buy some land and the government who is corrupt, who, buy, who sells it, they tell them, oh yes, you, you, but you bring your own policemen, we don't touch our own population, this is you have to do. And then there are such big security firms, they come with their soldiers, armed people, and they do the job and, and, and do, the, do the violence. So and I, this is a very, very big sector, a very big industry, industry, uh, service sector, the, the, the private health, the private uh, security firms and military private organizations They earn money with violence. They earn money just, they are allowed to do it. And uh, they, they, they tried to do that in Denmark as well with the law on epidemics back in 2020, where they, they wrote in the law that, that they could go from house to house in Denmark with private security firms like G4S or yes. Blackwater or Academy. Yes. They could go from house to house and there were no requirement. They spoke Danish even. Can you believe it? So I, of course, went to the police and said, is this what you want? You want to privatize it? Do you want foreigners who don't even speak Danish yes. going from house to house? No, no, no. <laughs> so so then when we were demonstrating, the police were really on our side because That's they great. do not want great. to see that. They, they must be. They would be stupid if not. Yeah. They would kill their own family. They would just destroy what they live on. So of course. it's very good to have to make this aware to let people make people think about such things too that you can earn money with uh, that you can do violence for being paid for this that you can hire if you have lots of money you can hire violence and it's the monopoly of power which is the base basis for democracy if you if the democ democracy does, doesn't have a, a monopoly of power it's gone There is no democracy any more possible. No, I agree. I also, and I would like to say, I think what I think the enemy is going to do now, what they will try to do, if we don't act quickly, if we don't, if we don't demand the 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 the, the taxation burden move being moved from human beings to corporations, then they will do what they always do, which is splitting up uh, us up between each other you yeah. know black versus white men yeah. versus yeah. women old yeah. versus young. now next time it's going to be working class versus middle class so what i think they'll do is oh yeah the energy prices went up the food prices went up here's a suggestion from the eu and world economic forum let's tax the middle class 
until they have there are no middle class left by the way but they don't they don't say that so we, let's tax the middle class so we so nobody can afford to have a car and a house and all small businesses close down and then we they take that money and bribe the working class yeah. so they don't revolt now what what we would like to see is the working class and middle class working together to create a good life where everybody can can have a have a have a, um, a life in in prosperity and and, and wealth together uh, but what they want is to split the working class and the and the in the, the middle class up. So I guess what they will do is they will tax the middle class and make universal basic income, giving it to the working class so they stay home. Yeah, I live in a flat. Yeah, okay. So the middle class they lose the house. Well, too bad for them. Does I don't care. I have a flat. I'm used to it. They can, no, they can try to live in a flat. Yeah, I don't care. This is this is what they want. This is what they want to do. So I, I think we really have to move fast. Actually, there's a little bit of sense of urgency, but we can beat them. We can beat them. I really think so. And we always have to be aware if there is some some fight within us, there is there struggle, conflicts, and so it's them who want to divide at impera. They want to yes. split us to to govern. They need this that we struggle with each other. And we should be aware of this and should try to find out what's going on there. Why is there struggle? Who does it? Is right. it artificial? Is it an artificial struggle which installed? And someone is saying, "Oh no, they're struggling. Oh, that's great." It's a, right. it's very complicated life we live now. But we have to stick together and we have to do the right thing. It's very great what you do in Denmark. It's very good, and you do it with Thank always you. smiling, always with lots of power. And uh, I saw your your colleagues too, and Torben, Torben was very impre um, um, impressed me very much how he does it. He is also someone who has an enterprise, and he is he's really yeah he is investing a lot of his time and a lot of his force in that Denmark gets a gets a good uh, yeah good society again that they that you can be proud to live in Denmark with each other. I think it's great, great. It's a good model. Super. Thanks. Thanks so much. Great that you um, informed us about what's going on and your ideas. And I think you were also really inspirational on a sort of on an emotional level. I yes. feel <laughs> I feel uh, inspired. I think we can, uh, you know, push a few more rocks around. It's some fighting fuel you you gave us. Thanks for your time. <laughs> look forward to see you again soon in the near future. I hope. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward. Thank you. Thank you. Bye then. Ja, jetzt äh, wenden wir uns wieder der deutschen Sprache zu. Wir haben mit uns, ich weiß nicht, ob er schon da ist, Professor Werner Bergholz. Ich bin da. Hallo. Oh, hallo, hallo, hallo Werner, das war ja prompt. Ja. Ja Grüßt euch beide. Hallo, together. Well, maybe you can um, introduce yourself again. You've been a, a guest here several times over and some uh, might not remember your background or might not know you yet. Yes, of course. I am... I've last been professor for electrical engineering at the Jacobs University in Bremen. And together with two colleagues, I started a company which uh, works in standards and some um, research areas um, on national level. And my activity at Siemens before that was coined by work on how do I um, uh, handle uh, defective chips. What's the cause? And uh, so that was a natural 
point for me to start in March 2020 to look at loads of figures concerning coronas, looking at the numbers and uh, saw, looked at the vaccines as well and respectively kind of it developed that I visited you that I was one of the 18 experts in the evaluation committee, um, paragraph 5, section 9, Infection um, Protection Act, and I um, was listened in the health committee, and a couple of more things. And on this body, um, not that you could give us any details, but are there any um, trends or developments resulting from this, or is it still meeting, or what's the situation? No, the work has been completed. Uh, however, all that work was only uh, done in Zoom meetings. And then we decided in September we should meet. Uh, half of them did it, half of us did it. About 10 days ago, we met a night in Berlin, um, had a, a nice dinner uh, and got to know each other. I thought that I had the privilege to sit next to Klaus Stör, and I think it is in his sense, if I quote him here, saying the pandemic is over, full stop, and children were never spreaders of corona. Greetings to Klaus Stör, there never was a pandemic. Well, okay, uh, <laughs> we I um, had a nice dinner <laughs> anyway, and uh, <clears throat> I think both of us know that with respect to the vaccines, we do strongly differ, and uh, that is quite okay, actually, and I do think currently there is nothing that I see that uh, the work will carry on, but you never know, and I do assume that uh, something will be coming around, but probably not next month. So that's pure speculation. However, as, as we are in the pretext, so to say, yesterday, the MWGFD Medics and Science for um, Health, Safe, Health uh, Democracy, we had a meeting and a symposium um, on masks. Wolfgang was there as well. And this is something very well worth watching to. Uh, the link is not there, but it was a 10-minute uh, contributions, about 20 of them. Very, very exciting. And if I can I summarize agree. the evening in three sentences, um, the whole, there was the literature um, that was analyzed before 2019 or 20. There was only the finding that no findings, no good in masks. And there were, were a couple of studies who showed that masks do have a benefit, perhaps. And overall, if you look at the studies available up to today, I want to see that as neutral as I can. The finding is overwhelming that the masks do not help, at least not as it was proclaimed. And then from a number of comparisons, uh, reality with reality, the figures, there was the North Dakota, South Dakota example. We 
neither in the positive tests nor in the corona deaths we do see any difference between the two states in the population, the population structure, the geography, and in size, they are very comparable. That was an involuntary experiment. If you look at California, the same thing. In Germany, if you look um, <clears throat> from the point in time where the masks were introduced, you see anything in the incidences? Well, you don't. Of course. Well, I don't want to say of course. So you don't see anything. And many, many other things. So reality clearly tells us masks are of no use. The studies confirm this. And there's lots of studies saying that they do harm. Uh, my contribution was from the physics side, the explanation why they can't work. The masks can't work. And I would think that's over and done with. <clears throat> I uh, was talking about uh, the fact that in the uh, context where they have always been used, those masks, uh, they can still continue to be used I, in hospitals and operating theaters. There's a lot of literature, and this is handled entirely differently. Um, hygiene in hospitals is being turned upside um, on its head. Um, it just works the way it always did. It's absurd to uh, go along with uh, such a change in hygiene and that nurses um, allow themselves to be tortured like that or tormented like that. Um, that is surprising, but it is going to change and it um, becomes ever more apparent with um, the studies that have been uh, performed. There were good reviews, great reviews that were performed there and um, excellent comparat um, comparative studies. and. The upshot is always, it's very difficult to uh, analyze it. The data is very soft and uh, the masks are only a bit of a rag in front of people's faces and those people all behave differently. On which occasion are they used and where aren't they used to distinguish and to distinguish the mistakes that can be made um, and to uh, allow for that? That's really... Um, is nearly a ridiculous um, what you have to do in order to generate a um, palpable result there. Well, all this mask masquerade is a, an incredible story, really. And it's really been, somebody said this and uh, quite convincingly in that long night of the masks, that's a mean to spark fear. Um, everybody is a risk to, to others, and that's what people believe. I know people from my, I know them who say, oh, I just rather wear a mask uh, when I go into business. Well, well in the subway when I, here in Berlin, everybody was wearing one. Well, that's why they have the, the rule, or were they voluntary? Well, I uh, was using a, um, a, a tube train at some stage where nobody was wearing a mask and now they were all wearing a mask. I don't know why. I think there's a series of uh, lectures we had yesterday. We should uh, put a link on our homepage to um, uh, to take a lot of uh, the, the biggest audience possible to those lectures. We uh, did this because the government are starting uh, with those mass mandates again, this weird rules and uh, strange conditions that are all completely bereft of any evidence. Um, 
and that are handled in the different states in different ways, uh, uh, depending on what can be politically imposed. So it has nothing to do with hygiene, but it becomes um, quite obvious. Um, if you look at these things, we should really put a link on our website there. Yes, yes. Well, great praise to Ronnie Weichel, who organized it and, and his teams. Uh, very, very good. Yes, true. Well, Venna, uh, you have an unpleasant topic that you brought along, i.e. the de uh, development of the birth rate since uh, the vaccines. Yes, it is very concerning, but there are correlations. And, uh, of course, a correlation is not a causality. And let me share the screen with you. You should see a statistics of live births in Europe and Germany and internationally. Can we see it on the big screen too, please? Okay, this is this birth statistics up to 2021. 2018, 2019, 2021, and we see there is a seasonal correlation. That is the number of births per thousand people per month. So in summer, there's more births and fewer in wintertime. There may be reasons for that, but now we have 2022. So you don't need to have a course in statistics to see a deviation here. However, I went through it to prepare. Now, this is not so ideal to assess it. What did I do? For these four years, I took the average value per month and divided them by these average values and that gives me figures around one all the time and then it looks even more dramatic this drop here and uh, you can see the percentage so to say so this is a drop by 0.10 percent that is and that this is the may value june should be going up going back so in june usually it goes up um, I don't have this year, but I know that June will be going down. It's not over yet, and it'll carry on. And if we look at this with the statistical production methods, this is called SPC, Statistic Process Control, then you can see how probable it is that this is uh, coincidence these four um, months here the probability that is coincidence is one to a million and even the dot in may still is at one to a thousand roughly so that this is coincidentally and june is uh, lower again so here we have a very concerning finding uh, now is that limited to germany no, it isn't. Here's an example from Taiwan, 
where the drop over the year this is of course an estimation calculating from the first months it's not only 10 but it's 23 percent and now let's look at other countries now this is again germany from a different perspective <laughs> which i got from this link here simply copying it here we see may uh does not look too bad but quite clearly there is a drop and the interesting thing is comparing the vaccine rates the vaccination rates in the age groups which are at reproductive age so it started march april with a peak in may june and then it dropped and so because everybody who wanted it got their shot and nine months later we see the result that's where the birth rate drops so the same finding really and this is a very uh, apparent uh, correlation time-wise not an evidence yet switzerland is even worse and or clear and these cumulatives um, numbers of the vaccine rates again here same thing for switzerland they have the vaccination rate uh, people in the uh, in the range a direct drop after nine months uh, can you say whether these are miscarriages or mostly or is it a failure to get pregnant in the first place? Well, my data, which is probably not complete, doesn't show that it's the number of uh, miscarriages that uh, increased. But I'm only 70% sure um, that this is the case but uh, that is something that one should uh, look into it's much more probable that it is not in miscarriages or stillbirths it is simply a lower number of pregnancies so again a view that is a bit more clear for switzerland i took the figures of the life births of, um, on average postponed to the right and then you see this here that there is a very apparent correlation the same applies for austria so again with the shift in time austria looks like there may be a recovery here but that is something that we'll have to wait for the outcome the interesting question is was that a temporary phenomena or much worse is that something that is going to be permanent and here similar picture in hungary and there's similar pictures for many european countries and now we have the view for all the European countries that are listed here about the uh, the percentage 
we had a drop. All of them are minus figures. So uh, Finland, 4%, Lithuania, 17 Romania, 18 and so on and so forth. So it is a uniform picture. So st statistics, the Spearman P value for the corporation uh, is significant. The smaller this value is, um, the more um the more the higher the probability that this is uh, something worth it do you know whether there's a prospective court study uh, that takes into consideration that there might be a wish to have children or where such a factor plays a role that that uh, people don't want to have children anymore maybe that might be taken into consideration i am not aware of that by now, but the argument goes that, <clears throat> and you may say, okay, possibly uh, when the vaccination started, that the people who did want to get children said, well, let's wait, let's wait how it all picks up, uh, whether the vaccination is really as harmless as it's said. That's what I would have done. And so we do find it is statistically clear, but we can't state the reason. That is not so clear. And what I also looked at is the statistics of the side effects of many things. Uh, with women, and um, this is a list as long as your arm, as you say. And let's look at this. This is an algorithmic uh, scale, menstruation problems, 100,000. And if you think, well, that, of course, has um, underreporting, and uh, then loads of other things. I don't think I have to go through these um unto here it is obvious that here there may be a cause causality the same applies for men we have this for men as well there was a contact with a researcher who looked into this but there we are lower by a factor 10 to 100 and this is something I'll leave that open, whether it is fewer or whether men do are not as courageous to see and uh, admit that they have problems here. So statistically, we see a dramatic change, and it's beyond any statistic doubt whether it's a causality is something that we don't know. So that's the summary. And uh, in Germany, as well as internationally in Europe, there is a common uh, image and a temporal correlation. As I said, I'm not saying this is a proof. It's plausible, for example, that people didn't want to have children because of the situation. Well worth thinking, but it's a highly statistically highly significant correlation time-wise. And the only good news is it could be a temporal effect. This is something that we'd have to wait more, more, four months and 
only in the future will we be able to come up with a dependable statement. But if I were responsible at the Paul Ehrlich Institute or in the health authorities or in the government itself, I would be startled. I would think that we would have to follow up on this. Well, with this kind of finding in the past, they would have taken the medication off the market um, rather than uh, continuing re doing research for months on end and uh, continue selling uh, the, uh, the medication. Um, just think of uh, thalidomides. Um. And another thing we don't know is the pregnancies with couples that are vaccinated what may happen with the newly born we've heard the story of narcolepsia that only came up two three days uh, years after the uh, event with the flying flu but if we took at this a look at this statistical trend then we might say okay the effect might be transitory only uh, but uh, there will uh, the next booster is recommended and the next and the next. So if there was a causality with uh, the vaccination, then we'd have this um, uh, effect every half year again. Um, uh, it might actually be cumulative. So it would be interesting to see when will the next uh, booster wave. Yeah, well, Australia, New Zealand are a step ahead of us. There is many people who have been vaccined three or four times. And I remember, <coughs> I don't really recall the statistics of the births, but of the deaths. And um, that is a quite a clear correlation as well. And we have the same uh, for positively tested people. <coughs> the sequence, how possible is it that I either get the disease or die with or because of it. Um, quite clearly, um, the non-vaccinated, um, and then it correlates uh, once, twice, three, four times vaccinated, increasing the risk. Um, New South Wales gave figures, I think it's 800 cases of uh, suspicious deaths with the correlation. In correlation, two of them were not vaccinated. When we're talking about 800 cases here, uh, it is so clear that there is a correlation. And New Zealand, about a week ago, <coughs> stopped everything. The Prime Minister, who is one of the usual suspects so, um, with the WES, uh, EF, maybe she's... Uh, getting afraid and my pre-speaker here said they know it they know that uh, they are getting on the hot chair and um, it can't be pushed under the rug anymore with the heavy incidences and so on that this is connected to the vaccines what does that mean it's been all suspended the uh, vaccination mandate in the hospitals or what well, if I recall it quite rightly, the pandemic was declared over 
if as a tourist I want to go to New Zealand, I don't have to have vaccinated, I don't have to get tested. I can't do it if I want to, but uh, it's all over. <coughs> yeah, they're getting the heebie-jeebies. They're afraid of the consequences. Yeah, uh, I would get afraid as well if I were them. Because they say that courage is lack of imagination, and uh, Mr. Lotterbach, if he is so courageous and keep, keeps on, then he doesn't seem to have the imagination to uh, to see what's uh, going to happen. I don't know what's behind it. You don't have to make a statement on that. Well, <laughs> as a former colleague, I, I dare say something. I... Uh, I can't understand much of what our health minister says, but if I can criticize the ministry, uh, this is something that really appalled me. In August 2021, there was a guideline for families, downloadable from the uh, website, and it said the vaccination for 12 to 70 year or teen year olds have no known bad side effects adverse effects or other uh, another information wrong information has no known so we don't know enough but we'll still um, administer yeah, it yeah but at the same time the stiko the vaccination commission um, had a uh, academic bulletin which they published and there they list the statistic of tests of 12 to 17 year olds from the US and there there were five or seven percent of the people who participated in the tests and the study in the vaccinated groups had severe uh, adverse effects. So it's a blank lie. It was known. Whoever wrote that guideline either didn't look at that document of the STIKO or they lied deliberately. It was probably made available to the ministry by Pfizer. Well, I won't comment that. However, uh, this document was uh, given to the parents at our local grammar school. That's how I got around to it. And I told the director, write, writing him in an email, dear Mr. So-and-so, in this document, there are three to four medical false medical information. Consider that if you recommend the vaccination, which you're not allowed to do anyway. I documented all of that properly. He started shaking with fear up, um, <coughs> in face of his responsibility, I suppose. Yes. Well, beyond that, um, as far as the school is concerned, he seems to be quite reasonable. But in that point, he is really down the wrong path there. And uh, I do believe that he is convinced of doing the right thing. But what I don't understand is that he never uh, answered. Well, be it as it is. Well, this failure to ask questions with intelligent and educated people who know 
that they are responsible by law um, for looking after the uh, children's well-being. Um, so teachers are expected to uh, care for children in the schools. We have to get them there and um, parental responsibility is suspended there. The teacher takes on this care uh, function that parents have at home. Yeah, they they have to. They're caretakers in that point. And what I've heard from the teachers and their organizations is that they were afraid of their own health, and therefore put masks on uh, the children's faces because that uh, that they uh, were afraid of their own health, and therefore advocated the vaccination of children. So that doesn't um, imply that there was a great sense of responsibility uh, leading to these uh, decisions. Well, somebody has said at, uh, at uh, the symposium, at the mask symposium, I think you said it, that for the first time in history, children were used as an object to protect adults. It was Mr. Hüter who said this, I think. Yeah, maybe it was him. Look at it. Just watch these movies. Watch these presentations. They're very great. Well, you brought along a, a second topic. Yeah. That, uh, well, that takes us to the next topic. <laughs> well, the next uh, topic is the spraying of uh, barium and aluminium to uh, blank out the sun to an extent. Why? Because climate change is worrying us. However, it doesn't wor worry me. And that's what it's all about. Uh, maybe I should uh, start by saying I'm a fan of renewable energies. And in our local senior citizen uh, council, I uh, initiated something called the energy workshop. And the uh, Chair Herbert Moser, who unfortunately passed, dear Werner, you said it several times over. You're in favor of renewable energies, but not uh, because of the uh, so-called uh, climate change. Now, can you uh, tell us more detail about it? Um, I said, oh, that'll be easy. But it took two nights, two evenings. But don't worry, I uh, won't take that long now. But I brought along a few slides from that presentation. So the question is, climate change or no, no climate change? Um, so I, I got that title, um, I was inspired by to be or not to be. Albert Einstein once said that science serves people best if it um, reserves the right to doubt all theses. And a professor for philosophy at Leibniz University in Hanover wrote in the Zeit newspaper or Frankfurt Allgemeine, I think, who, uh, in the face of uh, the state of research, still doubts that uh, carbon dioxide emissions are still mostly uh, responsible for current climate change, is a non-critical rational skeptic. Um, it's not a critical rational skeptic, but a, a, a denier of climate change. So according to this definition, I'd be a denier of uh, climate change, but I won't go into details now uh, justifying why I'm not. Uh, 
Now, global warming. Since, say, 1970-75, roundabout, no doubt temperatures have risen. Between the 1930s and 40s, well, kind of stagnated, even though uh, CO2 emissions kept increasing year on year. 40% of all measuring uh, stations are on airports or near them. So we can determine that, yes, there has been an increase in temperatures. So we'll take a look at this over the next 10 minutes. Let's take a look at the temperatures. Many of the measuring stations are near cities. These are official data now of our Meteorological Institute. This is near the city of Hanau. You can see the temperature over the park in Hanau itself. And the blue and black curves are somewhere <coughs> somewhere away in the uh, environment uh, in the uh, um, surroundings and the weather park and uh, it depends a bit on the uh, day um individual uh, on the uh, time of day how big the difference is between these measuring stations but now uh, that most of the measuring uh, stations are in the cities now that uh, cities have uh, sprawled as well you have a particularly striking example of Tokyo. Tokyo kept uh, sprawling, sprawling, sprawling. And that is the global average somewhere in rural areas. So we can see, I don't think anybody doubts that, that there's a huge, significant difference here. So far, so good. And we can see it again here since the 1930s. It's sort of stagnated. If you look closely, there was actually a slight downward trend here. Now something interesting comes to pass. This is also from official figures in the US. Those are the average uh, temperatures up until 1999, the mean temperatures. And this period again from the 1930s, 1940s to the 1970s, I simply indicated the, the general trend here. That seemed to go markedly down. And then after 2001, a surprise, surprise, it was still de declining here, but much less. And if you take these uh, temperatures, this peak temperature, uh, these peak temperatures, this clear downward trend was actually um, nearly um, clear uh, level. That's um, strange that this is subsequently correct, that the official um, view was, well, we corrected uh, the rural uh, areas for uh, mistakes upwards rather than uh, correcting the urban areas downwards. That's a bit strange. And then something else happens. 
In the past, uh, temperatures were measured with the so-called English hut. Measuring temperatures is an art in itself, and because you must not allow the thermometers to be uh, exposed to direct sunlight, uh, at the same time, you must not allow temperatures or heat to accumulate um, near the thermometer, uh, and the so-called English hut was the way uh, it was achieved. So. Um, in the course of modernization, rather than uh, using wooden huts, now a new aluminium hut is used. And that leads to a, a difference. If that had uh, leveled out, I wouldn't have said anything. But we can see the trend again towards higher temperatures. That's all by the uh, German Meteorological Institute. This is uh, the uh, old English. Uh, hot um, with uh, lamella doors so that the wind can pass through, etc., etc. Okay, the new weather hut uh, doesn't look like this. This is my private one, um, but it's um, it probably looks <coughs> similarly. Now, since recently, uh, measurements aren't taken three times daily. They are now automatically measured um, every second, not with a thermometer, but with a PT100 thermometer. It's a th um, thermal sensor, which allows for uh, very uh, exact uh, measurements and access um, electronically accessible. And uh, the casing is now force ventilated rather than um, using the English hut. What is realistic, if you look at these two screens, is that, could it be that the old screen didn't see the problem and the new one now uh, made it visible, that it is more, it is warmer than before? Well, let's put it this way. What is the better temperature, temperature the truer temperature. Uh, PT100 is uh, certainly the more precise measurement. I can show uh, more minute temperature differences, but does that uh, give us a more truthful picture? I can't really judge that. But the real question is not, is it uh, um, higher or lower by half a degree? But what is the measurement that better reflects real trends? I do believe that the current measurement is the more precise one, but the transition I would have liked to be performed in a different way. In an industrial environment, in chip production at least, um, I, I took a closer look at this, I uh, would have done it in a different way and looked in, uh, into details uh, much more. So I can state that for this weather station, there is a systematic deviation of 0.9 degrees. No further comment on this. That is also a measure, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, 
that was an example from uh, the uh, the um, airfield in Lechfeld. But uh, from my point of view, one would have had the two systems in running in parallel for a longer period in order to see what modification does that result in systematically. So changing the measurement methods is okay as such, but the fact that this was not done with the uh, proper care, running it in parallel and comparing, uh, comparing the results for a sufficiently long period of time. Now here's a uh, comparison again of the measured values for different stations, um, previously traditional, and then determined the way it is made now. And there are systematic uh, deviations. And obviously, the deviation uh, of the mean uh, is actually uh, turned uh, the other way around if this representation is right. But it is a systematic um, deviation. I have to be careful now uh, in what I say. This is for uh, several measuring stations. So we can um, determine uh, something has changed. And I'll leave it open whether this has led to higher or lower measurements. Now, another important point is where are the measuring points? So that's an interesting depiction of where we have a large number of measuring stations in the US, in Europe, in many countries, it's um, quite sparse. In China, there's a lot of them. And then the polar regions uh, were, of course, very uh, sparsely covered. That's not ideal, of course, but that's the way it is. But too many of them are in cities and near airports, definitely. And what also happens, and I don't have a slide on that here, in Germany and globally, stations in rural uh, locations have been preferentially deactivated. So more urban stations remain than rural ones. And Germany uh, took the lead in that, uh, the German Meteorological Service. I think it's a scandalous, I think. The measuring station of uh, 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 Hoa Peisenberg, that is one of five or ten stations uh, that have been had been in use since 1850, has been discontinued. I think that's really a scandal. You can't do that, that the few stations that have been around for such a long time, that they are the very ones that are discontinued. I can't understand why. Anyway, uh, overall, it can lead to a temperature measurement that is um, tendentially not necessarily as precise as we thought. So let's um, conclude that and that's very important. Since the 1930s, um, there was a clear decline in temperatures before they were corrected in inverted commas. Same goes for Germany. 
I can also see a falling trend in temperatures. And then, of course, no doubt, a increasing trend after that. Now, let's widen our perspective. They say, oh, oh, oh um, sea levels are on the rise. This is the case in the port town of Cuxhaven. Those are the figures from 1863 to, 2000, to 1983. But recently, nothing much has been changing. There's been stagnation for the last 40 years or so. Okay. It's getting better. It's a, this is another station in French Guiana and in Suriname. There are periodic fluctuations there. There is no increase there. Okay. There are 149 or 150, no, 159, that's where the figure is. Tide gauge stations scattered across the globe that were considered to be reliable. These are not uh, the sea levels now, but there's uh, the phenomenon of plate tectonics, and that is why some uh, sea levels decrease because um, the plates in that location uh, sinks, and then, of course, you can see rising sea levels in those locations, and then where the land sinks and the sea level gauge with it, then of course the sea level rises there. But then there are many others where the soil rises, where the plate rises, and then the sea level drops there. And then there's a lot of them, a um, lot of sea levels uh, that are somewhere in the middle. Well, the measurement that's in the water. So that means the water is the same and the measuring level drops. And that's why it makes the water, it looks like as if the water has uh, increased because the tectonic movement of the earth moved this uh, measuring level down. So if someone came up, the uh, ground level came up, it would, uh, climb and the water level would virtually drop is that it because we have this there's no absolute zero line the earth is always moving precisely and those are the 59 uh, accepted tight gauge stations and there are some that uh, sink cookshafen as an example malmö or some other um, swedish port is among these here and somewhere in Denmark, Odense, or whatever, I forget which one it is. That's one of the ports here in the middle. So that means the fact that some tidal uh, level, uh, sea level, rises or falls, um, we can't conclude anything. So um, if we take a look at all these values and we uh, ask ourselves, does uh, do sea levels rise as the IPCC, the International Panel on uh, Climate Change and International Institution of Scientists, claims 
Well, the selection of the uh, tide gauge level stations, uh, because they don't consider them all, was not necessarily neutral. I all found it from this uh, scientist who published these um, things. Now the question is, are sea levels on the rise or are they uh, falling? So if we, uh, well, the South Sea Islands, do they have a problem or not? Because they say, um, they have a problem because they're sinking. Now, this scientist, unfortunately, I don't have this slide included. I'll have to tell you without the slide. Maybe I don't have it in the right place anyway. He um, has a picture because they're coral reefs. And if um, sea levels remain unchanged over years, then the sea level up until 1940 or 50 or 60, it was at a certain level, for instance. And then after that, the new sea level is 20 centimeters lower, not higher. And in one publication, he wrote that he wrote to the prime minister of Maldives uh, that uh, the prime minister had uh, raised the alarm that they are uh, sinking into the sea, and how can he explain this picture? But he never got an answer. So these are uh, the sea levels. Uh, for three islands in the South Sea. Uh, unfortunately, no change visible here. And what was also done, that's a different publication. They simply compared the coastline in the 1940s and 2000s and something, calculating uh, the um, surface area of the islands. And that's for a, a number of different islands. And there, you can see there's no change visible neither one way nor the other. So in other words, uh, the thing with the rise of uh, sea levels is at least rather questionable. Now, snow cover of the north, the northern hemisphere, that is not all that uh, recent. Also, official data. Looks interesting. Yeah, of course we... Um, have a minimum at some stage and unfortunately i haven't been skiing in southern tyrol for the last couple of years due to the um, well-known reasons in the context of corona but the subjective perception over the last few years has been that there's always been more snow than previously and what we also saw um uh, uh this trend continues. Also, the snow cover on the Northern Hemisphere, we can see that this is getting worse. And now, the uh, exp uh, explanation of what's happening here. Now, let's take a look at this graph down here. Here, um, bore um, uh, cores uh, um, with a um, an isotope it, uh, it was determined uh, how warm or cold it was in different uh, at different times. So this is today, zero. Uh, 
so um, compared to this reference temperature, the so-called um, Little Ice Age, and then there was a hot period in the Middle Ages. We all know that Greenland is called Greenland because the Vikings arrived in Greenland and started um, agriculture there. That is not possible today. And in around 1300, they had to abandon their settlements because agriculture was no longer possible. And the the ocean started icing over so that um, supplies from Europe couldn't arrive anymore either. In the Roman period, it was also warmer. And they didn't have this huge CO2 production that we have today uh, in the time. Now, here again, the warm period uh, from uh, the Middle Ages uh, determined with um, uh, tree barks from China, uh, sorry, tree rings in China. And then the Little Ice Age was so much uh, colder, the Dutch masters um, um, showing um, people ice skating on lakes. Um, they hadn't been around there yet. And the chronicles from um, the church chronicles from England uh, were talking about uh, talk about um, hunger periods. So there were much colder winters there. So how is that possible? Now, if you look at the radiation intensity, watts per square meter, measured since 1750, uh, there was another little ice age after 1800. Then it was colder, then it got warmer. And we know since the 1930s, it became colder again and then warmer again. It uh, beautifully correlates with the radiation intensity. How is that measured? Is that measured on the surface of the Earth? That's measured um, at ground level, but now it's also measured by satellites. Since the 70s, they've been doing that. And it correlates uh, clearly with that, but now I have to pour water into the wine. That's not enough to justify it all or to explain it all. But nevertheless, we can explain it. This radiation intensity correlates with solar activity, i.e. the number of solar uh, patches. I have no picture for this. Um, at this period, 16-something, there were very few solar patches, solar spots. And these solar spots are an indicator of either very high or very low uh, solar activity. Um, uh, lower solar activity, um, less radiation, and higher activity. Uh, since 1970s, we've had an unusual high, uh, unusually high number of um, solar spots. That seems to be ending now, and this correlates with um, increased radiation. Why uh, would that be the case? There's a different reason for that. Now, let's first uh, talk about the climate models. I have to question them first. The uh, climate models have uh, the following input parameters, CO2 concentration, which is okay, of course, then some constants, 
and physical uh, parameters which are not so well documented. What's important, uh, these are coupled nonlinear differential equations. And if you modify these constants uh, minimally, they can explode. It's very um, uncertain how this uh, depends on the input parameters. So the input parameters already predict the uh, end result uh, of the temperature that you'll get. So this is a comparison in black. Um, we see real developments. Red are the predictions. And the climate models have a problem here with this relative consistency. They want to correlate and um, establish a correlation and causality with the CO2 concentrations. The problem that we have is that between the 1930s and 1970s, temperatures were nearly constant. That really creates a problem for them. So that's why it um, overshoots like this. And for the Northern Hemisphere, you have the same problem. Uh, that's the average temperature there. So it just doesn't fit. And so here's the explanation. What do I um, see as the real mechanism behind this all? Yes, true, there's one to four watts per square meters more. Uh, can't um, explain it. It depends on the number of uh, solar spots, whether it goes up or down, So, but it's not enough. But now here comes the explanation. Fewer solar spots means more high energy radiation, more cloud formation, lower temperatures. So a summer with numerous clouds um, is a colder, uh, colder summer. So uh, if you have uh, more uh, solar radiation, it gets warmer. And it's exactly the uh, cloud formation. What happens on the sun, what you can observe um, via the number of solar spots, that is the actual, the real mechanism, because the um, greenhouse gases, that uh, tiny share of CO2 um, doesn't have anywhere near as much of an impact as air humidity. That's 2% uh, of the volume of air, and this is um, determined by radiation intensity um, in um, correlation with our uh, oceans. That could explain 70 to 80 percent of the climate change. It could be a little bit of a contribution of CO2. Well, apparently not. It has something like uh, we have in our body. If it gets too warm, we start sweating and um, then we cool down. And apparently like this, the uh, Earth seems to put on its sunglasses in the form of clouds if it gets too warm. Yeah, and the other point is the simulation. Or let's get back to CO2. Only five, uh, five, maybe 10% of CO2 is man-made. The rest is nat natural. Welcome, now you mention it. If temperature increases, plant growth increases, then of course the CO2 uh, production goes up well. Um, plant growth uh, consumes CO2, of course, but if the seas heat up and other factors, uh, so in other words, 
nature uh, takes the lead and people only have a small contribution. Now, a um, physicist who professionally deals with a uh, particle accelerator who is an absolute expert uh, in evaluating error uh, margins, and he took a close look at the uh, climate models. His uh, judgment is that the uncertainty um, of predictions on temperatures is anywhere between 10 and 20 degrees, so he can actually forget about these models, these predictions. That's simply not uh, good science. My conclusion, there's no doubt that since 1970 there's been a temperature increase. However, there's a large number of questionable uh, things. Measurements and historical data were manipulated and corrected. And there are publications from the 1970s that predicted a new ice age. And the same people then uh, predicted the, the opposite. There is no um, reliable evidence of rising sea levels. On the contrary, the snow cover of the northern hemisphere is increasing again. And the uncertainty of the PC, IPCC uh, climate model is uh, at, at at least 10%. And solar activity can uh, well explain the temperature uh, changes since about 1600. We're not aware of uh, temperatures um, prior to that, but um, before that, uh, the telescope hadn't been uh, invented yet, so people couldn't count uh, solar spots. So I um, am a fan of new technologies, and that is the best we can do because the cost of solar uh, power is four cents per kilowatt hour. That's uh, comparable to coal-fired uh, power plants. A new nuclear power station in the UK that is being built could only be built because there was a uh, purchase guarantee uh, for 12 cents per kilowatt hour. So that is more expensive. And we're also at four cents uh, with wind power. The only problem, and it is a real problem, is the capacity to store this power. So we have a, uh, a simulation by the Solar Institute in Freiburg that if I used the monthly outputs of uh, solar uh, power stations in uh, Germany, four times as much as we have now, the sums are um, pretty constant month on month, but we need a lot more, of course. The only month that's critical is November, where we have uh, dark times without any wind, and that's why we need to build up hydrogen uh, capacities. That's the solution. We need to increase the production capacities for electrolyzers and uh, fuel cells by a factor of 100. If you know uh, about industry, that isn't something that's, uh, that can be done uh, overnight. If it's to be done well, um, it um, takes 15 years. But we, we're not under any um, pressure. We have no hurry. Um, after all I just explained, I claim that we have no climate change. So I'd say we have to work 
uh, with uh, great intensity, but not um, break at breakneck pace uh, to build up a hydrogen uh, economy. And there are enough uh, people, um, representatives of the uh, Solar Institute of Freiburg, the cost of energy will not go up. Instead, it will be more or less constant and 90% of our energy requirements can be covered, i.e. across the board, mobility, electricity, heat, industrial heat, etc. Isn't that something now? I think it's very, very nice how you summarize this. And I have the impression that uh, this is, again, a fear-mongering with the climate as we've seen it in other areas. And I can only say with Greta, how dare you to frighten us this way. Well. <clears throat> well spoken. Well. Well, Fridays for Future is uh, demonstrating again today. A big demonstration. Well, I, I can't really uh, uh, remember the name of the two activists, and I really think that they have the best of motives, but I would recommend uh, them to listen to me for a couple of hours. Uh, my uh, extensive uh, presentation, and then we can discuss it jointly and work jointly on a solution. And if you are open to this kind of discussion, then I'm pretty sure that you will at least um, have to start thinking. And I recommend to some young people, I really respect their taking to the streets, but please get information. Um, don't simply believe what they're telling you. It's a very gross contradiction between science and dogma. Um, one has to take care that you don't uh, trip into the trap. Science means asking questions, scrutinizing, and that is a calming factor, really. I think it's good if you scrutinize, then you can't get wrong so easily because you are in doubt and you're always open. You um, are aware that you may be wrong and uh, there's no better position than scientific doubt. I think that's a very good questioning attitude. Well, my uh, uh, um, doctoral thesis uh, sponsor, Dr. Schroeder, um, said a very, uh, did something very smart, i.e. a half-year um, seminar for anyone with a um, uh, undergoing PhD training, and you uh, got used there to actually be questioned um, to the ninth, and that is what it takes. Well, science has a big responsibility, and what uh, politician, politicians decide, what judges decide, they always refer to what the scientists say. Um, there can't be a dogmatic bias. There can't be any misjudgment because we stop the thinking. Even if it's only 10 years, that'll create massive damage for a whole generation, which would have been inevitable. Yes, that's true. 
And uh, concerning uh, corona and vaccinations, the same applies, of course. Quite right. I wanted to add one more thing. There is a publication by a scientist, I think Ute Baumann or Bergmann, from the German Center of uh, Space. Um, I met her in 2015. I, re I read that publication and um, I couldn't find it again. And that's something to look at with respect to this cloud issues. She said they um, looked at this, this new cirrus type of clouds, which she mentioned they are spreading so strongly. If that gets analyzed, the heat effect for the Earth by year is like it was since the beginning of aviation. So the, the annual by this additional increase of these, uh, whatever reason these uh, clouds come from. And I participated in a three-day symposium in the German Academy of Sciences in Berlin, where there were loads of clients, climate researchers, and there was a Finnish researcher, maybe that's interesting for what we're going to talk about in a minute, and uh, they looked at the, um, the saying that one should uh, avoid cloud building uh, above the Amazon area. So these uh, stripes uh, created by uh, aircraft uh, contrails um, they only occur at certain heights, at certain temperatures and um, or altitudes. And um, if you could stop that in the Amazon area by creating rain, wouldn't it make sense to uh, have the aircraft flying higher or lower wherever this specific constellation does not occur? That would make more sense. Uh, rather than trying to model about uh, with the clouds above the Amazon. I talked to this person, but he couldn't give me an answer to that, unfortunately. Well, in aviation, what happens is that they want to fly as high as possible as soon as possible, but there is optimization as well. As long as you have a lot of fuel on board, a higher flight height would require uh, excessive uh, quantities of fuel and also you need to uh, keep uh, aviation traffic safe one way or the other but i think the way it is optimized is that they minimize fuel consumption if possible to determine the optimum flight height that way Yes, one could, however, consider maybe the tickets will be more expensive, but you don't have a climate phenomena if they can fly higher or lower. That'd be interesting to look at. Well, then the the problem of range might occur you know, for long distance flights. Uh, you can't really go much further than they can already go. So a direct flight from, say, Frankfurt to Singapore might be possible anymore, but whatever. I uh, uh, have any uh, hard facts uh, on this now. But if that is really such a huge problem, well, then that might be, of course, um, 
approach uh, to, to um, eliminate the causes in the first place, uh, rather than uh, to interfere with nature in such an unpredictable way. Uh, that is uh, uh, intensively uh, uh, connected, interconnected system, and with these systems, a small change can easily tip something. Well, that's right. There's uh, David Keith in the U.S. from Harvard, I think. He uh, thinks to stop climate warming, one should uh, spread dust, uh, an amount of dust like uh, from that volcano in Iceland at the time. And I think uh, he is even funded by Bill Gates and he does uh, work on that, uh, but what they think about at this seminar or this symposium, all these high-profile scientists, that there is a kind of compensation effect that may take place. So every year there should be more brought into the atmosphere until probably you are all busy all the time to uh, spray that, that we're talking about balloons and stuff. And um, once that would uh, in, be interrupted, the atmosphere, the climate would uh, catch up and uh, there would be a very quick warming effect. Uh, assuming that all of that is right, of course, um, and that will be a problem. So that shows what you've just mentioned, that these uh, filling about with the nature, we see that with the gene um, um, uh, modifications, you don't know what happens if you change these natural systems. Yes, the body is a, a complex system and you really have to uh, marvel at the naivete of some people who believe that they can uh, fix it. But let's well, it's comforting leave it at that. that the that nature has root uh, control mechanisms and uh, gets on. So um, if humans uh, unbalance the the earth, they'll probably note, but in due time. And adjust, we can do that. We can think of things and uh, adjust our behavior. The mammoths at the time couldn't do that. And that's quite a benefit to us, really. Let's learn. It's good to learn. Well, let's see how things continue. Thank you, Werner. Very enlightening. Thank you very much. See you. See you next time. Okay, and now we have our next guest to carry on with that topic, uh, Dr. Dietrich Klinghardt, who's with us. Hello, I'm here. I don't know if you can hear me. It's good to see you again. Uh, it's a very interesting coloring. I don't know if that is deliberate. Um, you're kind of red lit, red light. Uh, sorry. There's nothing red here. Must be, the, must be down in the line somewhere. Uh, probably geoengineering changed the color of the sound. Well, anyway, looks like a bit of an artwork. Anyway, so maybe we can. You can tell us a bit about yourself. Um, we've met in another meeting before. However, for those who don't know who you are, you introduce yourself. Yes, I was born in Berlin, 
I studied medicine in Freiburg. I work in um, the autonomous n nerve system. 1982, I moved to the US. And since then, for 40 years, I work here as a doctor. And uh, I specialize on aptism and uh, child diseases. And uh, well, that's it, really. I don't don't have to say much more. There's not much more to say. Well, okay. Let, let's move on to the topic. Um, what Verna just uh, produced a study um, on uh, geoengineering from 2017. Sounds very interesting. Well. I prepared a little PowerPoint. I don't know if you, if I could share it or you can show it, which I could just take you through with the things that we know and things that we don't know. If you can do that, can we share the screen? Okay, just let me just uh, go for it. First, looking at geoengineering, um, do they spray things or don't they? My main point in the autistic children is there is good research. A, a professor friend, uh, Chris Exley, clearly showed that children with learning disease, uh, diseases, hyperactivity, um, autism, have dramatically increased levels of aluminium in the brain tissue. The same applies for marbles, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, for nearly all the neurological diseases. There's no doubt. The question is, where does the aluminium come from? And my thesis which I'd like to present here today, is that the geoengineering plays a massive role in this. And let me just show you a couple of pictures. You know all this. I, I'm i 72 years old, and in my childhood, this wasn't the case. Uh, if there were natural weather conditions, this would have been the case. But this has increased in the last 20 years dramatically. This is the sky above Berlin, where for children in the American secret services to listen to America's telephone, it would have been necessary um, without uh, a metal sheet. I'll leave it at that. Um, so is that natural? Is it jet one? Is that uh, uh, jet fuel that leaves these? signs or has been something has something changed here we see these are um the standard uh aircraft traveling usually they travel straight and of course uh the professors at the university who look at this say of course it's the wind that uh, moves these uh lines And there's 42 countries that are taking part here. And something interesting here, which is this. 
this is a picture I took and what I did I bought an industrial laser which anybody can buy and uh, lasered the normal uh, level level of clouds and this is what happened this laser is not resonant uh, the color is not resonant with water so what happens up there is not a hole uh, melted into water clouds uh, h2o but it must be something else and of course you can argue the rests of uh, jet fuel let me leave it as that um this is one of the few articles that was ever published in a medical journal 2015 marvin herndon is a nuclear chemic chemic chemist um and he studied the material that is sprayed and let me just highlight these couple of sentences so aerosolized particulate sprayed by jet tankers for geoengineering weather modification and climate modification purposes and at the bottom I think the core sentence, the consequences on public health are profound, including exposure to a variety of toxic heavy metals, radioactive elements, and neurologically implicated chemically mobile aluminium. I'll leave it at that for the time being. Uh, two months after this article was published, it was retracted as we know, when they hit a sweet spot somewhere uh, in the publication, the publication vanishes. Um, but I didn't uh, found this in an Indian scientific paper. Indian India is leading in good publications scientifically, which are not as censored censored as strongly, 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 or by the same interest groups as the American magazines are so the article is there in an Indian magazine however so NASA images where you can see the difference from 2000 um, what the earth looked like from the outside and after um, moving up this program where stuff is uh, sprayed into the atmosphere we see the shadowing in 2015 there is a nice film Ben Vickerton uh, the dimming and here there is a lot of evidence what happens so interesting um, medical study which uh, helps to explain autism and this uh, drop in brain capacity that we have observed worldwide over the last 10 years that our brain is damaged and here brain cells were stemmed here along the x-axis that's the survival time of brain cells in a culture and uh, certain uh, substances were uh, added teomazole uh, which is in the uh, tetanus um, vaccines uh, some of these have that some of the vaccines have that 
uh, that some of them have Quicksilver as well. And we see here, this is 24 hours. Um, 35 of the percent of the brain cells are still alive in aluminium. If you look at this, typically uh, included or contained in the vaccines, MMR and the corona vaccines, it's all got aluminium, glyphosate and so on. But we see that aluminium alone is not too bad. Uh, 24 hours, uh, maybe 15% of the brain cells are killed, and the others are still alive. Now, eh, the good thing is if you combine quicksilver and aluminium, we both have that. If you eat fish twice a week, you have a relevant uh, quicksilver level. And if you add um, aluminium, we are here at the bottom. Uh, and now the bad thing is what all you women know, uh, uh, if you put a little bit of testosterone uh, in it, the difference between men and women, why do women, um, uh, why do women in generally have a better, um, um, memory? That's what we see here is it's mercury. So combining aluminium with mercury leads down to that gray thing. And if you add aluminium to testosterone, testosterone, that is where the cells are killed after a few hours only. And we know by now that in boys, the problems are six to eight times more than with girls. And we know where mercury is from. We see it in uh, other uh, in vaccines, but um, we have removed it from the environment quite well. It collects in fish, so you should only eat fish if you take a chlorella afterwards to capture the mercury. And where does the aluminium come from? That's the question. And let me skip a couple of charts. These are, <clears throat> it's important to know if you have uh, um, fine particulate matter um, that uh, reduces the volume of the brain. The more uh, fine particulate matter in the air, the brain shrinks. This is um, <clears throat> aluminium air measuring <clears throat> from the American um, Health Authority. Normal, you would expect in rain up to 0.5 microgram aluminium per liter. If it's more, then there is a law in the US, the population has to be warmed or dewarmed. And the measurings that we did here in the rain in Reading, that's in North California, 1010 microgram per liters. And a couple of measurements in California, this one here, 3,450 microgram per liter of air, that is 10,000 times as much as EPA permits. I, I don't quite understand. In, in rain, that's way of water. And you just indicate in air. Well, we just put up some pots and collected the rainwater and uh, measured the amount of aluminium in the rainwater. 
But oh, you said per liter of air. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, per per liter of rainwater. Yeah, that's a different story. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, per liter of rainwater, and there is good publications on this. Good work, and uh, in Bavaria, there is. I forgot what. Uh, uh, government body it is, um, we measured up to 400 times as much in the rain in Bavaria in Germany, and that is published as well. So I'll skip this part. I know my praxis is between Microsoft and Boeing, where all the people who are involved um, are patients. Um, in my practice and these installations and the big tanker jets, we know what is put in. I'm not allowed to say a lot uh, to protect some of the people. Uh, still, there is good indication that there are things that are not generally known. There is tanker jets uh, are fitted to spray this into the sky at high, high uh, altitudes above the normal flying altitude. This is a bit knowledge about aluminium, what it does. I want to skip this. Uh, it was important for my PhD work because we found at the time already that people who have defects in the circulation uh, can be the blood pressure, but a lot of it is this microembolisms and blocking of arteria, all of these things. It's always about the endothelial. And the biggest enemy of the endothelial is uh, endothelium is um, aluminium. And it's became it's become known now that uh, that's the biggest long term damage by COVID and the uh, vaccinations is the endothelium, and there's a great correlation between aluminium and COVID. Now things get interesting for me. Well, a story that um, um, really interests me. I used to be a doctor in the Black Forest before I emigrated uh, near Feldberg Mountain in a skiing uh, area where you could spend four to five year, uh, months a year um, uh, wintering, and we had uh, old age, uh, old age um, uh, homes, nursing homes there with a lot of uh, strokes and heart infarctions. And now 35 years on later, I uh, went uh, uh, with my children uh, back there to ski, and I flew in from the U.S. Um, and I knew the climate very well. It was a beautiful um, uh, it was a beautiful day. And um, then people went and sprayed um, uh, these gray um, stuff there. And um, I could see that the skiers all uh, fled the area. Uh, my children, who never had any problems with asthma, got asthma. And I um, took a sample from the top of the um, uh, the snow, and uh, it contained a lot of aluminium. And I uh, didn't feel too well for a few days, and I uh, sent a blood sample to a, a lab. And lo and behold, they found a high level of aluminium in my blood. 
and so there's all these patents uh, for geoengineering, what you can spray, all of these. Um, the most recent pay, uh, patents uh, are owned by Bill Gates here. And why do they do this? If it's true that it is uh, sprayed intentionally up there, why? What you can see from the patents, the reasons are that they can modify the weather, but uh, also military reasons. And uh, the uh, last president, the second last president in uh, of Iran, uh, complained to the UN that the Americans are deviating the weather, drying up Iran, so that they're generating. Uh, droughts by rerouting the jet stream and um, it's been published that it can be found everywhere in the air sulfur dioxide aluminum oxide barium strontium different salts and in order to uh, make rain uh, silver iodide is often used we uh, can also see this in areas where rain is generated and then for military reasons it's unfortunately not only aluminum but also that they're spraying up there but in order to keep it floating it's nano fiberglass um, uh, particles um, plastic um, particles that are aluminum coated in order to reflect the sunlight. So here's um, uh, the study again. After my experience in the Black Forest, I was really uh, curious and I thought I have, I went to Graham in Lower Bavaria uh, to Dr. Stauber. He is the uh, guru of apheresis. Uh, it's kind of a treatment um, used to flush any um, anything toxic from the blood. I um, had my blood detoxed there and um, analyzed. I had the um, things that had been filtered out um, analyzed. That's 120 micrograms per liter. That's an, ast an astronomically high value. And you can see lead 0.9 micrograms per liter. That's more than 120 times the value um, of and uh, 0.2 micrograms of cadmium, uh, so that's um, more than 600 and 700 times as much aluminium in my blood than cadmium. And so we found that aluminium is the main toxic factor in our patients today. And that is not explained by the vaccinations that many of my uh, patients um, uh, who um, have this high aluminum level have never been vaccinated. So none of my uh, patients were vaccinated over the last two to three years because there was a vaccination a ban in my um, medical practice. So people were welcome to get vaccination uh, vaccinated, but um, they uh, couldn't enter my practice after that. And now, how can you uh, detox for aluminium? There are interesting um, trends here. We use our own system. It's a uh, an iron foot bath, where the, uh, which uh, triggers uh, the cleansing of the blood, um, the stripping of aluminium by the kidneys. Here you can see. Um, 
the improvement of uh, autistic children over four months. That's the so-called ATEC uh, score. And all we did was uh, take aluminum out of their systems and uh, their health improved by 55% over um, a few uh, over four months. I think that's all I was going to say. There's a lot to be said uh, in um, that's that can be found in, in literature. Well, as it's a metal that comes from aluminium production or whatever production processes and uh, spreads very well in the air, independent, would that be a possible explanation? Well, that's the theory that's um, uh, proposed to us. I spoke to the, the Bavarian Aviation Office, whatever their name is, and I asked them, like, how come uh, we had air measurements by friends who measured the air in uh, values in uh, 12 kilometers height uh, and in uh, at a height of one kilometer they uh, made measurements finding high aluminium uh, values and they I, I called the authority in Bavaria uh, to ask them how do you explain that and they said well aluminium is a fine particle uh, dust so it can actually rise up to several kilometers uh, into the atmosphere and i asked them whether they have any scientific studies on this and they uh, begged to be excused because um, they didn't have any uh, so i'm open to any explanation but i'm showing you what my uh, personal evidence is that took me to the point where I believe that uh, they are spraying uh, this up there. It's uh, intentional and it's toxic and makes no sense for climate reasons. We know that this uh, gray cover that's created up there uh, tends to trap the heat uh, below rather than it uh, reflects solar radiation. Uh, to to cool uh, the landscape up below so it doesn't work i wanted to say one more thing that might be interesting to you it's a private thing again my question was well what if uh, this is uh, sprayed over the oceans uh, it's plastic uh, particles of course so we uh, took samples from the um, ocean uh, surfaces uh, and we uh, sent it into a lab and it was full of uh, nanoparticles uh, contaminated with aluminium so we keep hearing in the uh, press every day that we're eating a uh, plastic uh, credit card worth of plastic every day as micro uh, plastic and um, people uh, tell me that uh, the theory uh, plastic bottles uh, that they are uh, a process by nature to become a complex uh, nanoparticles. Uh, That's impossible. The nanoparticles that appear in uh, our vegetable and in our meat, they are man-made. Um, and again, I have no proof of it, but I think that the geoengineering um, leads to the fact that all the oceans are covered with this coating and it's known that the oceans evaporate 40 percent less water today than they used to uh, 40 years ago and uh, that the atmosphere has become um, quite deprived of humidity quite starved of humidity 
So uh, what we've measured is that these uh, plastic coating uh, prevents the evaporation of water. The normal process would be uh, the sun heats up the water, then more water evaporates, there's more clouds, and therefore you have shade and there's rain and everything is hunky-dory. Uh, and if the sun hits the water now but can't make it evaporate anymore, then you won't have any clouds and then you have the disaster. That's one part. The other part is that 80% of oxygen that we have uh, in the world is not made by the trees in the Amazon forest, but by the algae in the seas. And for them to uh, create oxygen, i.e. to split uh, carbon dioxide into um, carbon and um, oxygen uh, requires energy, uh, and that comes from the sun, and coating the oceans with these uh, mini mirrors means that the algae get much less sunlight and therefore they can produce much less oxygen. And uh, the measurements have shown that the oxygen content in uh, the air has decreased from, I think, 30% 100 years ago to 19% now and is uh, continuously decreasing. I think these are warnings um, that we have to take very seriously. And I, I think you're the best uh, point of contact. Uh, we can, uh, uh, can we really take uh, published science today as the truth or I just wanted to uh, sow doubt with what I'm saying. That's a bit contradictory to what Werner Beckholz has uh, just told us. I think we have to discuss this. Uh, it doesn't fall in, squares in. And uh, luckily, the uh, sea has waves and uh, the wind cleans it. So there's mechanisms. I don't know. Uh, I think we have to... Uh, keep in mind the uh, many regulatory processes that uh, Gaia has. Uh, it, uh, we haven't understood that yet, and I think it's quite right that the humans try to fill around with that, with that, uh, the gene scissors or whatever, the clippers. And we see it in the viruses. It's not the case. The viruses that can be dangerous to us. Uh, other ones that uh, created uh, artificially, they um, get lost because they can't spread. The viruses that spread well, that don't kill us, they are successful in the end. Omicron is a good example for that. It's a normal uh, virus, flu virus. And even if it were so risky and dangerous in Wuhan, It'll run out, it'll run dry, and this is a mechanism that is all around in nature and that uh, gives us hope. And we've got these evil people who try all these things and do wars. I have a paper here, I don't know if we can show that. <clears throat> it's a presentation from 1969, 96. Um, of the Air Force in the US, to the Air Force in the US, with uh, technology developers to change the weather. Probably they have uh, built some airplane like you've just shown, 
It's called Weather as a False Multiplier, Owning the Weather in 2025. In three years, that is. That's what they wanted to do. And here they detail on how Fort War objectives, how they change the battlefield by locally changing the weather. And it's uh, described very clearly, and so they advertise this at the military. It's very detailed. This is public. You can look at it on the internet. And this is something that uh, looks as if it weren't a fake. I can't check this. However, as far as the the, the you can check this up um, if you want to. And they show a lot of things what they can do, and that in uh, limited regions, um, they can do that from aircraft. Uh, they can make sure that you don't see anything, that uh, all of a sudden there's rain or something happens, um, considerably changing the weather. And by that, uh, make life difficult for the enemy so that they don't see any more, they can't hit their targets. That's what they show here, and we've just heard from Italy. Um, Renata told us she said that there is an incident, a local uh, rainstorm, and there, in that flight tracker, one saw an aircraft which was exactly uh, turning and circling above that area. So if you have these coincidences and you can see what what is technically possible, you have to ask questions. That's something to investigate in. You can get that aircraft and look at the inside of it if you wanted to. Of course. The authorities could that. They could track it and pin it down. And if there are substances in the aircraft that uh, generate these condensates, then one would know it. I think it is a crime to do this kind of thing. You can't simply change the environment. And I think it is uh, there is international rules to do this, uh, to punish this across borders. But I think that uh, <clears throat> the lawmakers should think about this and uh, simply not, not just tolerate it. Although the trick is always, if it is serves to defend, uh, that's what the military does, that's always uh, doing these gain-of-function viruses. It's the military who is behind this. Um, the research is paid by military uh, funds. So it's not from health, it's military investments that they do and then that is like a secret weapon production and nobody is allowed to look into it and that makes it all secret so i think we don't have to watch uh, this and stand by having them experiment around with uh, us and i would make sure that we clarify this and that we track these people and uh, well, I have another question. There's these uh, um, airplanes. Um, if uh, uh, this hail um, planes, so if the uh, 
grape harvests uh, is threatened in South Germany. They can you can order um, a call in one of those planes and they spray the um, uh, the sky uh, so that the hail falls elsewhere. So that is a real thing um, that you can make uh, clouds uh, shed their load um, by applying something. Now, there's this uh, kerosene um, that's um, the fuel for the uh, planes. That's a specific uh, mix. I think this is this American uh, fuel. Jet one is what it's called. Well, is that always, has it always been the same or has that been modified at some stage? No, there's, it's got a constant formula and uh, by law it has no aluminium, it has lead. Uh, just imagine that aircraft fuel is uh, leaded where people always say they're proud that we don't have the lead in our gasoline for the cars, but in the aircraft fuel we have it. And of course we assume that lead uh, keeps on uh, um, keep airborne, stays airborne for the rest of our lives. Wow. But what um, I always thought, uh, I, I've heard before about it before, but it's difficult to imagine. <coughs> I noticed that the clouds look different from what they used to, but uh, when you were uh, in um, um, looking at the sky in the past, that you had um, a, a plane passing over the skies and the contrail dissipated very fast. Well, it depends on the weather, on the temperature and the humidity in the air. Well, I would recommend uh, viewers to look at the skies. If, uh, if there are contrails, uh, they uh, dissipate over time. It doesn't matter uh, whether it takes 30 seconds or three hours if um, th there's a gray cloud then that won't move away the next day even well That's you can suspicious you can look at this in the flight tracker apps and uh, click on an aircraft and you see what these are and some of them are unknown some it's the you know the plane going from there and there this number of seats and all of that you can see that if you look up with the flight checker, you can identify which uh, military uh, airplanes uh, ha are um, up there on a secret mission, and then it's unidentifiable. And if they are the ones with the strange contrails, well, then... Well, at least that's a suspicion. Well, but after this observation, are these... What kinds of planes uh, are we talking about that uh, cause these activities? Well, we know from Boeing there is the tanker jets that only have this task and there is installations in normal aircraft where they are refitted to the normal traffic uh, spray this stuff. All the Star Alliance has contracts with uh, that and all the Star Alliance aircraft are fitted with that to spray this stuff. So it's not added to the fuel, but it is separate nozzles that spray this. You can see that if you learn to look at the aircraft and what's normally there, uh, these small uh, nozzles um, uh, under the wings. 
what's normal and what is additional equipment. But um, I can't say more. This uh, paper that I spoke about where they were advertising their abilities to modify the weather, I uh, found it. It's the original text that I translated uh, into German on page 14. It says, in a larger sense, um, weather modification can be uh, distinguished in two um, main parts. Suppression of pattern, uh, weather patterns. In extreme cases, it can be the creation of new weather patterns, uh, weakening or creation of storms, or the modification of the climate in a long-term way. In the mildest cases, it could be the uh, causation or suppression of uh, precipitation or fog in a small area. Smaller applications of uh, lower intensity could uh, be the utilization of near space uh, to interfering uh, with uh, sensor, uh, sensors and other purposes. So they also spread something very high in order to interfere with communications um, signals um, that can be reflected by this area, by this layer. Yeah, that's the listening to Angela Merkel's phone. So it's officially explained technically uh, for in the presentation uh, for the U.S. Air Force. But that means this is military aircraft involved in this? Or who does these activities? The, uh, well, if you have a military airplane, um, in order to get uh, the funds um, from the military budget, that's always difficult. You can uh, you better outsource this. Um, you have your uh, private companies for that. Um, nobody cares what they do. Nobody is interested in it. So they get a, a commission by uh, the U.S. government and they get going. So that's the way they do it. Well, Seattle. People joke at uh, is Bill Gates lives here around the corner, and uh, tell him we're coming for him. He's got two daughters, and he loves this American barbecue. So when you sit outside in the sun, and Seattle, there's no not a lot of sun. So 15 years ago, there was speculation. Let's uh, che let's check the weather at the birthdays when it's children, and for 15 years. The sun is shining on the birthdays of his, their, his children. Whenever the rain is, well, well, if you can afford it, yeah. And uh, Bob Dylan singing, uh, "God is on our side." Well, uh, the weather is on the side of Bill Gates, and his barbecues um, are supported by the weather. Yeah, say no to the devil. Well, just again. Are they, who, if this were right, who triggers this? I mean, there must be somebody uh, having a lots of regulations that they can skip so that you can do this. I have a relatively straightforward answer for that. Who caused uh, the fact that the press could only speak with one voice over the last two years? Um, how could uh, the adverse effects be uh, suppressed and the vaccines uh, be um, applauded?
Well, I think I've said everything that I know. Maybe I may just add that the main reason why our brain, our brains are deteriorating worldwide is the poisoning with uh, aluminium particles. Electrosmog, wireless LAN plays a role chemical chemicals agricultural chemicals that plays a role but aluminium is in the lead by a hundred times as far as um, neurological um, diseases are concerned and if my observation is right that the main reason for the poisoning of uh, brains with nano aluminium particles and if that is man-made we can save the future of humankind by stopping these programs well um, that'll be for uh, the next generations the, the damage that has been done if you do things that uh, damage the nervous system then you impede um, the uh, the growth of nervous cells and uh, cells that don't nervous cells that don't grow that won't grow afterwards well, uh, you can compensate for a lot of things. If you have a, a, a trauma to the brain, for instance, you, we know that the brain can compensate for a lot, but it has to make a bigger effort. It has fewer options. It is limited, after all. And uh, something that is lost cannot be repaired. It can be compensated um, to an extent, but the uh, opportunities to unfold as a human being are limited. Yeah, one more question, and I've got to work. Well, there was this word harp, and there were these uh, fibrous uh, cloud formations there. Uh, what is that? What? Uh, what's the connection there? Well, this metal parts in the clouds, let, let's leave it at that, are, of course, uh, susceptible. They are paramagnetic nanoparts and uh, iron that respond to magnetic fields. And that means if you make the sky metallic, you have lots of opportunities to uh, send radio waves there that are reflected. What wouldn't happen otherwise, or if it's water or clouds that wouldn't reflect these. So that means um, if I have a metal sheet, I can uh, send um, radio waves in a certain angle and they are reflected. And uh, that means I can extend the range. So by this metal cover, I can extend this up to infinity, really, so that I can cover large areas with that and listen to that as well. Um, apart from that, harp is a completely different story, really. I don't really want to go into that at the moment. There's too much to say about that. Uh, one thing I want to say is that there's massive harp systems around, not only in Alaska, or that's where the prototype of a big installation was when they uh, tried out the technology. It's quite primitive. Now they have small systems that are hidden everywhere. They can do the same um, as the big ones not only for military purposes, but, well, you've been through corona, and we see 
the same powers behind this between the MMR vaccines um, are clearly notable. This the evil of this destructive will to break things. Well, be it the interest to reduce the number of people on the globe um, that may be noble uh, objectives, but what we went through in the past two years is the evil in all of that. And um, this geoengineering, uh, of course, it's the same people, the same forces behind this. Um, as um, they have all hands on the press, it can't be published. And um, you start making fun about it. Uh, we've been through this. You make fun about the people, or the press make fun about the people who are critical, or they are just uh, simply morally um, killed. That's why I have to be careful about what I say. Anyway, um, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, I, I thank you. Uh, for contacting me. It's always an honor to talk to you. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you for the information. You're welcome. Well, we'll have to delve into this whole topic a bit more. That seems to be a very special thing. I think we could have a discussion round on this. That would be a good idea. Where did you see the contradiction with backholds? This uh, self-regulating mechanisms that uh, make sure there's no climate cat disaster. Um, there may be oscillations that if the Earth heats too, up mu too much that we have clouds forming, and then the clouds um, is what cools the Earth. And he said so, and that is a bit uh, different. I think one should clarify what plays the major role in these two theories. Maybe it's a question of the net effect. Um, I, I don't know, uh, to be honest. Uh, we'd have to listen to someone there really in more detail. Okay, very fascinating. Okay, uh, we're at the end of the session, I believe. So I'd say uh, let's uh, bid um, our audience goodbye without any further ado. Well, I think it's always interesting. Um, the corona topic is what we've been through. It's given us uh, opportunities to think of things that we wouldn't think possible before, and that we scrutinize things that we are being put through and uh, uh, were there. I was there on the road on the Fridays, uh, and um, I thought it was great how the people get engaged, but it's so horrible uh, if you see uh, the if you see you are uh, you, you can't speak out anymore and like we do we say um you question this you scrutinize this and uh what else do we have to see and uh, look at all the openness that galileo created by the, the its own area, for example, um, this is something that we have to know that this is not a big issue. So that's the time of enlightenment. And since then, 
we are asking questions and now it looks like somebody's ruling science creating new dog science dogmas and if you want to be scientific you have to fight this quite clearly and uh, these are of course the things that um, the media um, move and correspond but uh, we'll we'll do that anyway well I was going to say something uh, I would like to look into the press uh, agencies a bit more uh, we have the impression that there are only very few of them who collate um, the news and spread them everywhere maybe I could call on people who can uh, give us more information and enlightenment on this topic. Maybe they have done some investigation there, or maybe people who work with the public uh, um, media stations. Uh, so if you're interested, please contact us at uh, uh, corona-ausschuss.de. Because there are so many people who focus on different topics uh, and uh, dig into them and um, relentlessly, and uh, we need those people, and uh, we need you if you have that if you do that sort of thing. That was also the topic of the convention that we met uh, when we were in Vienna, um, for example, on the media coverage concerning Corona. That was interesting. There were good people there. Maybe there are some of them who we can ask. I, for myself, um, uh, wrote a report on the European Council for the Role of the Media. I think it's a very interesting topic. I thought it was interesting at the time already, and it's very acute now. Uh, we have to see what it's all about, who owns the media, who can take uh, um, influence on uh, uh, on staffing it, or who you can just uh, buy it, like Berlusconi, he bought the whole media with 80%. He simply has direct influence on the media. That was the trigger for this report at the time uh, for me. It's very important because as people, we have direct means to find out what's in our neighborhood and what you can see for yourself. But if it goes a bit beyond that, if you live in a big city, you can't do that. You need the media and you need reliable media. Yes, and there are so many different topics globally. Um, um, and the journalists are uh, fed from these sources. We really have to take a look at who uh, controls this source. What's the task of journalism in a democracy? Let's discuss this. I think get people in who knows about this. Yeah, very interesting. Um, if uh, you have, um, if you're knowledgeable there, please let us know. Contact us. Okay, this takes us to the end of this session, and would like to wish everybody a um, nice Friday evening or even um, and a nice weekend. See you next week.